Hey, welcome to the 233rd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to David McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm currently going through all the live action Resident Evil movies, not the one that just came out in theater because I already talked about that like a few weeks ago, but the, the Mia Jovovich movies. I'm talking about all those. I, I don't even know which one I'm doing this week. It's I, the fourth one, maybe fifth one. How many are there? You can hear about all those, but sometimes I talk about comic books, so I'll probably be talking about some cool comic book story arc in a couple weeks as well. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash heck. All right, this, this week, two movie features. The main movie feature is Death on the Nile. So the latest, uh, Agatha Christie, Kenneth Branagh, Her- Hercule Perio. I don't even know how to say the guy's name. Um, so you can hear about that movie. And you can also hear about Kimmy, which is a HBO Max movie with Zoe Kravitz. And um, it's a cool idea. I don't know about the execution of the movie. So we'll talk about that. Then we got Peacemaker. We got Servant. We got the finale of Book of Boba Fett. I hope it's a season finale. I hope we get more. Um, the latest Snowpiercer um, comics and the news. So big news, I think. Obi-Wan Kenobi has a release date. Well, I forgot what I said. Did I mention it before? There was like a tentative date. It's coming out May 25th, which kind of makes sense in a way. Uh, it, it, we're going to get a bit. Cause like, what are we going to get? Oh, we got Moon Knight coming up in March. So, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. You know, if, if Disney wants... Although, what's going to happen between Moon Knight and Star Wars? Maybe nothing. But May 25th is actually the 45th anniversary of Star Wars. So that, that's going to be cool. I'm, I'm excited to see that. I, I can't wait. Ray Stevens was cast as a villain in Ahsoka. So um, we don't know who, who's... Because I think um, Thrawn is going to be in there, too. So who, who else is going to be in there? And then there's other, other rumors we'll have to see. So I, I don't know about that. Other big news. Futurama is coming back again. 20 episodes on Hulu. Most of the creators in the cast will are returning back. So that's awesome. What's not awesome is the fact that I said most. So John DiMaggio is not signed up yet. I guess they're still kind of hopeful that maybe he will. So I don't know if it's a matter of cha-ching, which, you know, he deserves it. You know, he deserves to be paid. I, he shouldn't be paid more than everyone else type of thing. You know, they should, you know, they should be paid what they deserve. It should be a lucrative thing. You know, how much money are they going to make off of this? You know, are they going to be able to sell, you know, syndicate? I don't know. Or is it always going to be on Hulu? But, but I, you know, without John DiMaggio, you know, Bender, come on. So if if they can't get him, they'll recast, which would be sad. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So I hope it works out. But again, you know, you got to do what's best for yourself. So I, I don't fault him either way. Maybe he just doesn't want it. You know, maybe he's tired of doing Bender. Maybe he doesn't like playing a robot. Doesn't agree with his robot philosophies. Maybe he doesn't want people to bite his shiny metal ass. Um, so Hulu is hoping to release that in 2023. So so good job, Hulu. They're, they're, they're kind of doing some good stuff. Speaking of big, big stuff, Amazon is apparently going to be doing a Blade Runner 2099 
series, TV series. Uh, so obviously 50 years after 2049, right? 49 of 99. Ridley Scott's supposed to be involved. I just wonder, like, what's the budget going to be on this? And uh, I hope there's a good, good story. I need to watch 2049.9 again because I, I wasn't, like, super crazy when I saw it. But, yeah, maybe I just need to see it again. So, yeah. I. But, again, it's like how much I, – I hope these movies are, are, are profitable or these shows are profitable. You know, like, with the crazy amount they're paying for Lord of the Rings. I don't know. So, Blade Runner fans, rejoice. Uh, but there is a Jurassic World trailer – and it's the epic conclusion to the Jurassic era. It's like, is this really going to be it? Are they really going to say, okay, we got this huge franchise and we're just going to end it here? You know, part of it is like, okay, yeah, enough's enough type of thing. But I, I can't see this being the end. What are you going to do? Like, uh, let's reboot it now? Um, so this is coming out June 10th. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I wasn't super crazy about the last one. I don't know how I feel about spoilers. Uh, all the... I almost said dragons. All the dinosaurs getting out in the world. I don't know how I feel about the human cloning um, part, but it's something a little different. And we are getting like the classic characters back. So we're, we're getting the classic ones. We're getting uh, the newer ones, uh, Chris Pratt whoo, and uh, Dallas Bryce Howard. It is Dallas Bryce Howard. Yeah, not Jessica Chastain. Dallas Bryce Howard. Uh, I like her. Uh, so we'll see. I Obviously, I'm going to watch it, uh, but... We'll see what's going to happen. I just hope it's I hope it's not too wacky. You know, all these dinosaurs. Dinosaurs running across the field with wild horses. It's like, okay. Uh, there was a, a first look uh, kind of like at Black Adam. There's like this, this Warner Brother DC movie trailer thing that came out. And so the, the problem is when we see Black Adam talk, it's, it's just The Rock talking. It's just Dwayne Johnson talking. I... I I don't know. I I don't. I would would think Dwayne Johnson should like trying to change his voice a little. He's like making it's like it is straight up Dwayne Johnson talking. Maybe it'll be a little different. You know when when I don't know. So, but we do see Doctor Fate and uh, Hawkman and Adam Smasher. So, okay, there's that. Um, there was a trailer for the. I don't know. I feel like I'm trying to go through the news fast. I don't know. Uh, the Adam Project trailer came out. So this is Ryan Reynolds uh, and Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner. So Ryan Reynolds, oh, Zoe um, Saldana's in it also. It's going to be on Netflix. And basically Ryan Reynolds travels into his past to do because something, something happened to his dad. So I don't know if he's going to try to go back with his younger self to try to save his dad or something. And um, I, I love Ryan Reynolds. Some people don't. You're, you're crazy. Yeah, you. I, I, I've just love Ryan Reynolds so much. I, I, I love his dry wit. And again, it all goes back to two guys, a girl in a pizza place. I just, I love that show. I still need to finish rewatching. I, I, I finally was able to track down. I, I don't know if it's DVD, you know, the season. I just, people didn't like that show, but I thought I was, he was good in it. So I will watch it. The I, but I'll be perfectly honest, Adam project. I don't know. I mean, maybe it'll be better than it looks. It didn't look super awesome, but I'm definitely going to watch it. I, and that um, that's coming out March 11th. And again, I think it's in Netflix. There was um, some casting news for Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. <laughs> and I do not care at all for the, I almost I almost don't even want to watch it. I am just so, so over the Zack Snyder hype. 
And it, it's the again. If I'm not saying if, if you are part of the, the Snyder army, you know, no offense. I just feel like there's just too much. It's just too intense, and and I, it, it's one thing to love something, but it's like, oh my gosh, just you know, dial it back a little bit, and just like all this stuff, it just it feels like it just never stops, and just it keeps going on and on. So Ray Fisher is one of the people that's going to be in in uh, Rebel Moon, and like I said, I don't know. I mean, maybe I've seen him in other stuff. I don't know if I've seen him in anything besides Justice League. I have no idea how to base his acting skill on, but I did not think Cyborg was like a breakout role. And he's he shouldn't there shouldn't be a whole lot. I mean, I guess there's the whole human losing his body. You know, there's he's not really emotional because he's a half a I don't know. Maybe he did a good job in it. <laughs> But also Rebel Moons, it's ba- it's his his pitch for a Star Wars movie, and they're like nah. So then he's like, well, I'm going to make my own Star Wars movie because they're they're calling it Zack Snyder's Star Wars type thing, which isn't it like a ripoff? Then I mean, how much is he changing? Whatever, whatever. <laughs> Zack Snyder, <laughs> uh, Russell Crowe is going to be he something in the Craven the Hunter movie. Um, it was a Jason Aaron Taylor Johnson. What's his name? <laughs> Jason Aaron Taylor Johnson, Taylor Thomas, Riley J- Reynolds, <laughs> whoever. Uh, he's going to be something in Craven Hunter. He's probably going to be like his, his uncle or maybe he'll be the chameleon. But even though he should be the same age, I don't know. But that's fine. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm OK with that. Go watch Gladiator. Or no, Beautiful Mind. I need to watch that again. I, I, I really enjoyed that. Sad news. <laughs> The Defenders, uh, the uh, Daredevil, Punisher, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, those movies, or Iron Fist, <laughs> heaven forbid I forget Iron Fist. Uh, I liked Iron Fist. I don't care what you say. Um, those Netflix shows, did I say movie? Those How am I so punch, punch drunky and I'm just starting? Uh, those shows are leaving Netflix. They're leaving uh, March 1st. If you go to Netflix and go to any, and it'll say leaving March 1st, where are they going to go? I I don't see them going to Disney Plus unless Disney Plus is going to loosen things up. Unless they do like a Disney Plus After Dark section. I mean, they they should do it. Like get some child or or some parental locks or something like that. Just make it clear to, hey, parents, you need to adjust your your controls. You need to figure out, you know, here's a passcode. Do something. Keep your kids out of this harmful stuff if you feel it's harmful. Or tell your kids, hey, don't watch this stuff. Or just you can look at their, well, I don't know if you can see everything that they've watched. But maybe they'll go to Hulu or maybe they'll just be released on Blu-ray. I, I, they got to go somewhere, right? But I'd like to watch them again sometime. It's just a matter of time. So it's just weird because I, did Netflix pay for some, for this? So it just seems weird. That, like I thought that they were like Netflix originals, even though they partnered with Marvel it's like they made it, they and then they lose it. That just seems kind of weird. I I thought that they were gonna live on on Netflix forever, but maybe it's it's like the Star Wars comics that you know Marvel got all the stuff that Dark Horse did, which seems like that's kind of stinks for them. Oh, I didn't even talk about the comic news. There's like some dark crisis, something. I don't. I literally know nothing about it. Some big other DC events. I I, I don't know. Um, hopefully, it's gonna be cool. It's going to be crazy, I'm sure. It'll be epic and blow your minds, right? Village Roadshow, they're suing Warner Brothers over Matrix Resurrections. 
they're suing them because they're like, they released it at home in theaters, so we lost a lot of money. They're saying, and I don't know if this is true, they're saying that Warner Brothers bumped The Matrix up to December release, December 25th or whatever. It was supposed to come out in 2022, and you know, because we know all the 2021 movies were day and date, would stream and live or whatever. So they're saying that Warner Brothers pushed the movie up so they could release it so they could try to push their own streaming service. You know, here's the thing. Matrix Resurrection was not a great movie. They're, they're trying to say, look how much Spider-Man No Way Home made. We could have made money. Yeah, you, maybe you could have made some more. You would not. There's no way Matrix would have been close to No Way Home money. And... I also think word of mouth would, would you know people would watch would say hey this is not a great movie and then they probably wouldn't when they would wait to see it. And here's the other thing. I tried I tried buying a ticket. I did buy a ticket. I tried seeing it in a theater. I went to the theater the day the Tuesday before it came out and then they're like uh sorry if you're here to see the matrix we got to refund your ticket. We we can't show it today. So they had some sort of technical problem. It's not the theater's fault, I, I'm assuming. It's probably something with the dis- – maybe they didn't receive it or some corrupted file, who knows what. I tried paying to see it. And, and so I was like, okay, I got to go home and watch it. And, yeah, I could have gone back the next day. Or what, but it was the holidays. You know, I, I was like, okay, this is when I'm watching this movie. Or, no, it was a Wednesday. Wednesday I went to see it because the Tuesday I saw The King's Man. I tried – Village Roadshow, I tried giving you money. But you, you gotta whatever it didn't happen, and I, I am not looking forward to seeing the movie again anytime soon. So I don't know. It's just crazy. But it's also weird. It's like why are you waiting uh, like a month after the movie came over a month to to sue? I mean, are you waiting to see how much money Spider Man made so you can say it's not the same? So I don't. That's it. That's the news. That is the news for the week. Go if Matrix playing a theater, go see it or whatever. Give him some money if you feel bad for him, uh, or or <laughs> or if you feel bad for yourself and you want to torture. It's not that bad of a movie. Okay, and the last bit of news: Moon Knight news. Holy, holy crap! So, uh, Empire Magazine has a couple of Moon Knight covers and really cool, you know, art. Uh, Bill Sinkowitz does like I think he does art in just one of them. I don't know if he I don't know if he did both of them, but anyways. Inside, apparently, there's an exclusive image because they, they posted online. And we so we get a new Moon Knight image. Spoiler. Not really a spoiler. It's it's Mr. Knight. It's it's Mr. Knight in the suit. I'm, like, so excited. I, I, I didn't think we'd, we'd see Mr. Knight. So from Warren Ellis and Declan, Declan Shelby. I'm so excited. I can't even think. Declan Shelby did the Mr. Knight persona identity suit whatever you want to call it oh this is this is so great and in in there so kevin feige's talk in 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 an interview see i'm so excited now in an interview with empire he he says that quote he's brutal it's been fun to work with disney plus and see the boundaries shifting on what we're able to do there are moments uh in the series when moon knight is wailing on another character and it's loud and brutal and a knee jerk reaction is we're going to pull back on this, right? No, we're not pulling back. There's a tonal shift. This is a different thing. This is moon Knight. Oh, thank you. Kevin Feige. Uh, and you know, uh, you know me, 
I don't think, you know, it's not like Moon Knight needs to be like completely savage and brutal, but he, he does get that way. And the thing is, I don't, I, I feel, almost feel like I need to go back and reread the classic ones because I don't think he was like hardcore, you know, like like borderline whatever. You know, he, he's not like a masochist or anything like that. It feels like it was like Charlie Houston, David Finch, where he became like really, uh, but I could be wrong with that. And yeah, I'll be the first to admit that I could be wrong. But man, I'm excited for this. And that that image just it looks looks amazing. Uh I I hope we get more than one season. Uh, you know, I was I was talking to someone about that, you know, how th- I think they're so far they're just calling it a, a limited series. But it's like you can't do a Moon Knight has such a hard the hardcore little fan base and you know maybe it's not so little. I feel like it's a little, you know, fan base because I've always loved Moon Knight. And, you know, over the years, I would discover, like, someone else really loves Moon Knight. Someone else really loves Moon Knight. You know, just, but it's just been, like, this small little, little circle. And, and, you know, I, I mentioned this when I, when I posted the trailer. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, forming this little secret society where, you know, we don't really say anything. We don't have meetings or, you know, secret handshakes or anything like that. But it's like, you know, we love Moon Knight. We, we know how cool of a character he is. And, and it's kind of like he was ours. You know, he's just, you know, he's, I love Spider-Man. I love Bat. You know, I love the big characters, but man, there's just something about Moon Knight. Part of me is a little af- afraid what's going to happen when he gets bigger, but that could be a good thing because then you know maybe he'll start getting the attention he deserves. You know, because so many times it has, his series has just floundered and just you know faded away, and you know it's like nothing's they Marvel or whoever just didn't know what to do with their sales. They're like, okay, it's time to move on for now, and we'll come back later, but. I'm so excited for this. Anyways, so with the limited series, I hope we do get more. I I feel like people are excited for this. And again, maybe I'm just looking at the small little corners for people who really love Moon Knight. But you got to do, I hope there's more. And if it's a matter of Oscar Isaac, he's like, well, I'm busy. I don't want to do it. It's like, then then dude, why'd you sign up for it? Or why'd they sign him up for it if if he's going to be too busy? I mean, there, there needs to be ways to do it. I don't know. So... That's going to be your news for... I'm so excited for this. And with comic books this week, so let's see what we had. Uh, at Image, there is King of Spies, issue three, three or four. I'm really, really in, enjoying this. So, so this is Mark Miller and Matteo Scalera. Because this is like Mark Miller and the you know Netflix Miller world, you know, all that stuff, I, I would, would love to see this as, as a series, you know, and... In the back of my mind, you know, I'm not always consciously thinking of it, but you know, sometimes I wonder, like, how could this be as a series? And and I, I think this could be be cool. So basically, what the the comic is about, if if you don't remember, is we have this like retired like secret agent dude. His name is Sir Roland King, and he, he's done a lot of bad things, a lot of sketchy things. You know, he's done he's followed orders. He's killed a lot of people because that that's been his job. He's dying, and he's like, "There's nothing, you know, that that can be done to to cure his what 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 he has." So he's just like, "All right, I'm gonna right all the wrongs. I'm I'm gonna I know where all the the bodies are buried. He he knows who's responsible. So he's basically going after all these like horrific people, and the powers that be that are employing these people or protecting them. You know, they're a little concerned and and stuff like that. So they're trying to get him, but I mean, things are just you know exploding all over the place, left and right, and and uh, it's even his kid who hates him, who who's like I guess in a similar field or whatever, and you know he's going after him now, and it's uh, it's it's things are getting pretty intense. But you know, so we have got a really cool story, have really cool art, and uh, you know it's a four issue series. Will there be more after this? I mean, maybe he's going to die at the end. You know that that would be surprising. You know, it's just like just boom, 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 boom. 
boom, 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 boom. Yeah, four booms, four issues. And then, you know, just tell a story and move on. I think that'd be cool. You know, is he going to miraculously survive at the end? Maybe, but, you know, he doesn't have to. It could be like, okay, he's, you know, done all that he wants. You know, he's righted all his wrongs. And so it'd be interesting either way to see how it ends. So I'm looking forward to, you know, one more issue. It seems weird. We had a monkey meat issue too. Uh, I, I mentioned the first issue, which was kind of weird. And I think all these are supposed to be self-contained. I didn't get a chance to to look at this issue, but I, I'm really curious because that, that first issue was so, not, not necessarily bizarre, but there there's something like just really different about it. That So yeah, I, I do want to check that out. <laughs> Phenom X issue four. I never read two or three or four. Uh, this is a John Leguizamo comic. So uh, I wish him success. If it, Even though he was following me on Twitter once upon a time. And then after after quite a while, then he just unfollowed me. So yeah, I, I still remember that Mr. Leguizamo. <laughs> I, I still think he accidentally followed me. He's, you know, unless maybe he was a comic buying fan once upon a time. Who knows? Uh, weren't we all once upon a time? Maybe not more. I don't know. Profit number one facsimile edition came out. Uh, I I probably have this issue. I, I must have this issue somewhere, like in one of my long boxes. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know if it's profit. Aren't they doing like a movie or TV? Because, you know, they're adapting everything. So that came out again. Um, Radiant Black. This was this is such an interesting series. You know, so so Kyle Higgins is you know doing doing the writing here, and um, with uh, Megan Camarena Kamer, and Goni Montez and Igor Monti doing the art. So uh, okay, yeah. So I'm looking at I, I just so, okay. Series writer Kyle Higgins is joined by Twitch superstar Megan Strawberry Seventeen. I didn't read this before I read the issue. Um, maybe I just don't watch Twitch really often at all. Uh, I don't know who, I don't know who Strawberry 17 is, but anyways, what's going on in this story? I mean, it makes sense now after reading this. So with Radiant Black, you know, if you've been reading the series, there's been, you know, different colored Power Rangers or not Power Rangers, but, you know, and we get the origin of the pink Radiant person, and uh, and the, she happens to be like a, a Twitch streamer and everything like that. So at first I was like, this is kind of weird. You know, we're kind of seeing how it is and, you know, where you're having to put on a persona and, you know, you, oh, no, your your microphone's busted or, you know, what are you going to do? And, you know, stuff like that. So it was it was kind of cool to see how she came about and gained her power and and so forth and how it fits into the bigger picture, because, you know, we've seen her with one of the others. And so it's 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 uh it's it's a cool series and you know just the fact that what we've seen so far kind of like you know the idea that anything kind of goes and, and stuff like that so i definitely recommend it you know so we're in issue 12 now and and here's hoping i i feel like the story's just barely begun you know there's so much so much more places where this could go so you should definitely be, pick up the first couple trades however many there are then at Boom Studios, the only comic I read. So Buffy, oh man, I just realized the uh, last Vampire Slayer issue three came out. Did I ever? Did I ever read issue two? I don't remember if I read it. If I talked about it, issue three is out. I did not read that, so I'm 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 curious with that. But Seven Secrets fourteen came out. This series is definitely um, it's it's I feel like it's evolving. It's 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 cranking up. So, you know, we're, we're seeing more about Casper, you know, our, our main character, and there's still that sinking feeling because like from the beginning, he, he talks about he's going to die, 
but then it's like wait how is he narrating all this or you know and what does that mean is if he does die or when he does die is that going to be the end of the series or is it going to continue is he somehow going to go beyond death because what we're seeing now he i don't even want to say in case you haven't started reading it but if you haven't started reading it you need to get get on it but it's like he has some sort of like powers now and you know that this isn't really a world that had superpowers but the whole idea with the secrets and you know with the keepers and you know and it's things are things are getting really messy because there's just a lot of betrayal and just a lot of it's it's almost like it it it, that doesn't like put a bad taste in your mouth, but it just kind of gets you a little, little anxious when as you're reading it because it's like things are just you know people are dying and it's just it's it's pretty nuts. Over at DC, um, so I just realized Robin's number four came out, which is weird because I could have sworn when I looked at this the other day it was not. So I haven't read this yet, and I don't know is this the I'm trying to remember how many issues this is if this four six issues. Okay, so I haven't read that, so I, I can't talk about that. But Detective Comics, 1052. And, you know, things are just really getting messy here as well. So, that, you know, the idea is, you know, we, we've discovered the secret behind the Arkham Tower and how all the inmates are being controlled, sedated or whatever. And spoiler, it has to do with Psycho Pirate and everything like that. So it it seems like, I feel like I may have missed something, but this doctor, Dr. Weir, where yeah dr Ware, like bear he's basically trying to get this funding from the mayor you know and everything because he, he's saying that he's got this miracle cure and everything like that but it's really just a big scam and we know from a few issues back where we kind of saw like a little bit in the future you know just like a, a couple days or weeks or whatever where things really get out of control and and it's it's basically a big powder keg that's ready to explode because what happens is like with if psycho pirate kind of loses control then all the inmates revert back to normal and then it's just you know chaos and so he's trying to control it and you know we have nightwing on the inside is is like a not an orderly i think he's a janitor or something like that and huntress is in and as a patient and harley quinn is there and i still don't i'm not sure i feel like i may have missed that as well as if, if she volunteered for this whole scheme or if it's just a coincidence but there, there's definitely stuff going on and batwoman has been working undercover but it looks like her cover may have been blown or something happened with, with her so she's not necessarily going to have that cover identity anymore um, Batman Urgent Urban Legends issue 12 came out, came out. I actually didn't read this. I, I debated with it. And with the, the last issue, I wasn't overly impressed. I mean, I, I may check this out at some point. You know, we have the Batman is a Tana uh, story. So this is part two of six. The, the first one was curious where, you know, we see this connection from the past. And, you know, there's this this thing that they need to take care of. And, like, they every once in a while they get together and try to do the spell to try to fight this this force back or whatever. Uh, but I, yeah, so I didn't check that out. And then White Witch, W-I-G-H-T, which I'm not really sure who who that that is, even though I read the last issue. So that's part two of three. Then there's Eternity, which I've never been an Eternity fan. You know, nothing against Eternity, but just haven't really gone into it. And then Ace the Bat Hound. So even though it's Mark Russell, I mean, that right there would be the reason, reason main reason I'd want to read this. But with the way that the first issue was, I don't know, maybe it was, it was a little, little dark for, for Ace, but I, I probably should check it out, see what happens to, to make sure Ace is okay. Otherwise I'm not going to be happy. Joker issue 12 came out and, 
Okay, so something big happens here, and it's kind of a spoiler, and I'm not sure if it's something that's going to be explained or not. I don't even know if I should mention it, because it's, it's a pretty big spoiler, but it kind of contradicts what's happening with a certain character in another book. So I don't think it would be just like a major continuity error. So it's probably, I just don't know how you would explain it. Um, so I'm, I guess I'll just say, it. so we, we know we have, uh, I think her name is vengeance, right? She's like the, the female Bane clone or whatever. And I'm, I'm kind of warming up to her character. You know, the more we see of her, I'm kind of intrigued with what she's going to do. I mean, she, nothing is, you know, she doesn't care. She, she'll do whatever it, it takes, but what we discover here, and unless I'm totally wrong, I'm pretty sure is this, I should probably open this up to check this out. So someone would Commissioner Gordon discovers that Bane is still alive somehow. So it's like, how is Bane alive? And the, so, so Bane's like working with that that rich lady that basically hired Jim to, to kill Joker. So Bane was killed by Joker, right? Was it Joker that killed him? And their city of Bane. So the big continuity question is Bane has been in in um, Task Force Z. So Task Force Z, we have Jason Todd. He's leading a force of basically zombies that are being resurrected. So it's like dead characters, and we have Man Bat there, and like other and uh, Blood Bloodshot. Yeah, and they're they're like revived with some serum, and you know there's limited control, and you know it's supposed to be well maybe I think the idea is, is eventually they can be brought back with the serum given enough. So maybe that's something that's going to happen to Bane eventually. And then this is just kind of ahead of the game and kind of spoiling that. Otherwise, if he was never dead from before, then this doesn't explain how he's in Task Force Z. So maybe that's what the, the situation is, but I, I don't know. Uh, Batman Catwoman issue 10. I still, I, I want to enjoy this series, but it's, it's still more the same where, so I guess the idea is, you know, in the future, Batman is dead and Joker gets killed and Joker gets killed by Catwoman eventually. And the Catwoman and, and Batman's daughter, you know, she's in there. So, you know, we're getting different timelines, you know, past, present or present, future and kind of future, whatever. And it's just it's just not really holding my interest so and and the yeah so i don't, I don't know but i like i said i, I want to like it i did decide to read i am batman issue six because this is the the big batman in new york story so i think i read the first issue and then i was i was a little confused if how this compared to the digital first series and i was, I was like am i reading the same thing is it just now in print and it's showing up in comicsology again because i think that's happened before so whatever the case, uh, you know, with Jace Fox as a Batman, I'm still curious what Bruce Wayne thinks about this. If, if I don't know if there's been any any interaction or comment, you know, is he totally OK with this? I would imagine he probably is aware that it's Jace, you know, because he's a, the world's greatest detective. So he's probably able to figure out who's doing this. But the fact that someone else is running around using his name, he, you know, did, did he give approval for this? So for whatever reason, Jace has decided to go to New York because I think his, his mom is there as well. So he decided, you know, get away from Gotham and do all that stuff. He wants to just fight the bad guys and, you know, look out for people who 
aren't being looked after because you know most of the protection is like on the you know the, the rich ritzier areas of new york or whatever so you know he's trying to do the right thing but what could make this a little different so aside from the fact that this is black batman is the fact that the like the mayor and the commission they're, they're kind of looking at this they're aware that there's a batman they know it's not the same batman obviously because uh now jace is a his lower face is revealed in his mask instead of having a full mask like he's had before so he's it's like jace has kind of been letting himself be seen so it's almost like he wants to be seen by whoever and they're kind of deciding is like they want to handle things differently they don't want this to be gotham and they're like let's deputize him let's use him and you know as a, a symbol for us and blah 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 so like that so they they negotiate they they get a meet with him and then they're they're kind of threatening him in a way it's like well you know this isn't gotham and you know if, if you don't because he's like well what if i don't agree type of thing then they're like well you'll be sorry but it's like really and of course you know they're trying to say that you know costumes bring or like mask vigilantes bring masked super crazed enemies which isn't necessarily the case because there's already someone on the scene and it's not like a batman being there has anything to do with that so uh, we'll see about that titans united came out and i i didn't read this and i think my main problem with this is with blackfire as like the main villain um i'm not super into her and then with connor superboy being turned evil it's it's just i just don't i'm not interested in reading that um batgirls issue three came out so i'm enjoying this you know i, I love the fact that we have cassandra stephanie and barbara you know together it is a little weird how because again i i can't get over the continuity issue that's just my my big big problem where you know we have barbara here and barbara and nightwing and we also have nightwing and detective so it's it's just for me the distraction is how does this all fit together and you know it, it shouldn't really be a problem you know I, I know i should just read each one on its own and just enjoy it but that's the big distraction so they have their own um like problems they're trying to solve and and batgirl still has to deal with her anti-oracle you know enemy out there so you know she's being a little cautious with with stuff so but i'm enjoying the dynamic between the three so it, it's been been fun and we had justice league annual number one so this was a weird one because so wonder woman is back because you know wonder woman after the what was the last the big um death that wasn't death metal whatever the last big event was where one woman kind of ascended and she was going to kind of be like more of a god but then she decided not to and then she kind of came back but then she was in asgard <laughs> doing something and then in her series she's kind of been back which i haven't been reading it i i, I want to but I'd say i'm for some reason i'm struggling with that so she's made herself away she's back with the justice league and I still think it's weird that Naomi's there because it's like, you know, because Naomi, had, there's some interaction between them. But it's like, why is Na I still don't understand why Naomi's in a Justice League? You know, here's this this character who is new. Maybe she's got a lot of powers, but she really hasn't proven herself. You know, she hasn't done like, you know, she was barely in Young Justice for like, you know, two minutes. And then now she's going to graduate to Justice. I just don't understand. But anyways, um, we have OMAC. So there's like this future story thing you know he comes from the future and he's a little confused because in the future he sees like hawk girl and then he he doesn't know who she is and then he's back in a in a, our present or their present and he kind of lost his memory and, and then there's like this time 
villain sort, not necessarily a villain, but you know, something they're dealing with. So it was, it was a fine issue. Um, Suicide Squad Blaze number one came out. I didn't read this. I'm curious about this, but this is a 50 page comic. It's a, I think it's a black label book. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm just not sure if I was in a mood for, I mean, I wasn't in a mood for a, just a random Suicide Squad comic. It's, so I didn't read it, but it's by Simon Spur. I may check it out. Aaron Campbell does the art and it's basically, you know, Amanda Waller. There, there's this other force or other um, team thing that they're doing, uh, government procedure called Blaze. So they're ordinary prisoners endowed with incredible powers and a certain knowledge that will burn through them like wildfire. They have six months to live maximum. So if you're staring down life in prison, maybe that's a good deal, especially blah, blah, blah. So, you, okay, you got life in prison. You're like, okay, you can have six months to live, but you got to do this and you're going to die. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll check that out someday. And I believe that was it at DC. At Marvel uh, Amazing Spider-Man, this was a number 88 BEY, Beyond, um, so I thought this was going to be another Spider-Man. It wasn't. So this is uh, dealing with the Slingers, which is kind of cool and everything. And I must have forgotten, but we have Hobie Brown. We have the Prowler, but he's now Hornet. So I'm trying to remember, like, when did that happen? And he's, you know, he has like this uh, crowdfunding company or whatever, this tech tech thing. And it turns out he's like super smart. So I always don't know he was smart. I mean, obviously, <laughs> so Hobie Brown, wasn't he like a window washer? And then, you know, he made this device to help him stick to windows and, you know, so he wouldn't fall. And then he decided to use it to steal stuff. And then Spider-Man set him straight. And then, you know, he's been a good, good guy. But apparently he's like really smart. It's like, I didn't realize he was this smart, which, you know, good for him. And, you know, so now he's being Hornet and then, you know, there's stuff with the Beyond Corporation and, you know, his company gets, gets, ends up getting bought by different things. And, you know, he's out of a job and then he's trying to see the bigger picture. And then it kind of comes back to Beyond and all this stuff. So it, w it was an okay issue. I don't know if it's trying to set up, like, let's do something with what, with the, what, what are they called again? Web spinners? Slingers. I thought it was something like that. But yeah, it was just okay. Avengers 53. This is like kind of the outskirts of uh, what's been going on with the, the Masters of Evil and everything like here. And we have... So the the big Avengers base, the Celestial, the dead Celestial that they're, they're inside, which is always kind of weird. That, that place is getting trashed, which it's like, okay, are you just getting rid of it? Because in an my thing is like the cost because like in one of the, the hands is like where they had the hanger so like t'challa and his agents of wakanda or whatever you know there's they have like helicarriers i guess stuff in there but it's like all this stuff's getting destroyed it's like that is a lot of money of equipments and vehicles and stuff like that but yeah so then there's all this stuff going on and um so namor they're trying to get namor and valkyrie you know they happen to be there so they're kind of like recruited into this fight against this like um magical sorcerer dr doom from the multiverse and so it was it was okay <laughs> um devil's reign issue four man does that kingpin guy he's just such a mm, so kingpin he you know so what happened recently he he realized that he had a file on with daredevil's secret identity he and he 
he can't access he can't remember it. so he knows that his memory's been tampered with so he loses it he is so angry that someone would take this knowledge away from him even though he shouldn't have had it to begin with so he's um made it illegal for anyone any superheroes type basically in new york and and it's like they're being rounded up even if they're not doing anything which how is this even possible how is this even happening He's deputized all these villains to be new Thunderbolts, which um, I didn't mention that in news, but there's going to be a new Thunderbolts comic led by Hawkeye. So apparently they're going to take the Thunderbolts name back, I guess. Whatever. So, But then you have like all these villains being deputized. And it's like, how do people not realize, you know, you have like I mentioned it last week, like Rhino is out there fighting with them. It, it actually turns out the Rhino's kind of a good guy you know he he's like i don't want any part of this and he's he's actually helping you know the heroes out what happens here is oh so also uh kingpin has been or wilson fisk he's not the kingpin anymore mayor fisk he's been kind of using purple man's powers to manipulate the city so it's like okay it's it's bad enough that you're a villain and doing all this stuff but the only way you can win or lead in the the polls is by manipulating people so that's like what's that say but um, what all I'll say is he accidentally uses the power on Typhoid Mary, his wife. <laughs> and because, you know, we're talking about like their first meeting and she can't remember it. But then he he accidentally makes her remember. It and she's like, he's like, oh, I'm sorry I didn't mean to do that. She says, no, this is great and everything like that. And then he realizes, oh, this power can make you remember something. So then can he use it to make himself remember Daredevil's identity? That's all I was going to say. So things are, yeah, things are just getting heated up here. And it's, it's good. <laughs> Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, issue four. I'm, it's, something is just off with this. I mean, I, you know, I love Kate Bishop, but the story has just been okay. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it's nice that they, they're fighting the, the Cirque day, you know, what's you going know, to call it. You know, so and we're introduced to Kate's sister, which I don't remember her having a sister before there being any mention of it. Maybe I just totally missed that. But they're they're fighting this, and it's just it's been okay. You know, she's making her way back to the East Coast, and you know, she stopped with her sister, and this this crime place was inhabiting this resort. So it's just like stuff, whatever. Um, then we have Maestro World War M. So this is continuing the the different like it's it's weird how they're doing it. They're you know we're we're getting these little like mini series with the maestro. And Peter David's been writing this. Um, oh, so I guess this is the last one. This is the final trilogy of this. And you know, so Maestro just recently fought Doctor Doom, and Doctor Doom kind of got away, but he was uh, pretty pretty beaten. And now uh, Namor, you know, he's still around, and it turns out you know he may make a stand against. Uh, maestro so who knows how that's gonna go moon knight issue oh so moon knight was in uh devil's reign which was kind of cool to see him there because he's been abducted as well but in moon knight issue eight so dr moon the other fist of kanshu that has kind of come to terms to an agreement with with moon with our moon knight he's uh kind of watching over the midnight mission as mark is unavailable so Eh, that's, I mean, it's it's kind of cool. I don't like the fact that Moon Knight's out there, but it, it's kind of cool that we see this. And then a uh, stained glass Scarlet. So it, it's actually funny because I just pulled out an old Moon Knight comic last week, and I'm, I'm pretty sure she was in it. And then now she's back here, so it's like continuous story. So we're like digging like way back into like Moon Knight history because I don't think 
I'm trying to think like when the last time we had her. I don't know if it was if she was only an original series, if she was a reoccurring villain. You know, because that's the thing with Moon Knight. You know, he he has like his his certain villains, but they're not like huge villains. And for me, that's always been okay. You know that he, you know he doesn't need a Green Goblin or you know whatever you know, a Kingpin. So it was, it, was, it was kind of interesting there. Moon Knight twenty four. I mean Moon Knight New Mutants twenty four. For me, we have a different artist in this one, and the, the art was a little distracting to me. I mean, it was fine and everything, but there's something like the way everyone's noses looked was just a little, little different. But what's going on here, there's a lot of stuff with like Shadow King, and, and there's not a whole lot of action. It's just like setting things up and like where people are going and what they're going to do, and, and it's, it's, it is setting up like the, the next big arc. So here is some important stuff here. Secret X-Men number one. I I wasn't super crazy about this, and it, it's dealing with the Shi'ar stuff, so maybe that's it. We have like uh, R- Roberto, um, we have Sun- Sunspot, and Cannibal. He it has to deal with Lalandra and his daughter, and uh, what's her name? Deathcry? No. What's her sister's name? She basically takes you know trying to protect the the future Empress, and sunspot kind of lies because he's got a crush on her and you know he says that he's the leader of the x-men which he's not and he forms his team so we we get him and cannibal marrow tempo forge banshee strong guy armor and boom boom it i mean i'm, I'm curious to see where this is going to go but yeah there's there's that then we have darth vader Star Wars Darth Vader issue 20. So this is more with Darth Vader and you know trying to attack different agents of the Crimson Dawn. And you know, he's he's taken out, you know, he he sets basically two people kind of like on a test, like go get these targets or whatever. And what's kind of cool here, what really I'm interested in is, is Sabe, so um, Padme's one handmaiden who has had an interaction with Darth Vader recently. She's back and you know she's uh up to something you know she's she's trying to figure out like what is darth vader why was darth vader at padme's apartment type of thing and and you know she's trying to look into like stuff like that so that that's going to be interesting there and then the last one was x deaths of wolverine issue two so what's weird about this is the first two issues and the whatever we had before that like the prequel thing these two issues are dealing more with Moira McTaggart. So Moira McTaggart just recently undergone, like went through a big crazy thing. And here these are focusing more on her. So she's on the run. You know, she's been stripped of her like status or whatever. And, you know, she lost her arm and she's being chased by Mystique. Mystique wants to kill her. And it's like, what does this have to do with Wolverine? Cause Wolverine's been kind of traveling through time, like going into different, different parts of it different moments of his life and he's chasing after omega red which i can't stand and i don't i don't i miss that i don't understand how that happened and then i don't understand what that has to do with moira so i like the fact that this this is carrying on this continuing story of moira i'm not sure what that has to do with wolverine i'm sure we'll find out but it's just a little weird (laughs) and that i believe that is it gonna be it for this week's comic so that went kind of fast all right, Snowpiercer, Season 3, Episode 3, The First Blow. So Wilford does the intro. He goes on about how he was born for battle. We see Ruth taken to her cell. Javi tells Wilford where they came from and and that there may be, you know, where the others may have veered off. 
Then there's some debris on the track. Wilford yells to break, but it's too late. They smash into it. People are getting jostled on the train. Uh, then he, he yells at Javier, full power, so they can like push through it. Then he tells Kevin that you know, that wasn't meant to stop them, but to slow them, slow them down. So he tells Kevin to send Zara to him. So Wilford looks at what's coming at, at the tracks where you know he's looking at him to try to figure out you know what Leighton might have planned. So they have a plan to circle around, but the question is, you know, is Wilford going to be ready for that? Because, you know, he obviously knows these tracks, probably knows them, you know, better than they do. Maybe. See, I don't know how much Wilford knows. You know, he was the genius behind this, but it's like he calls himself an engineer and all that. It's like, but how much does he really know? You know, how much did he do and how much did, did Melanie do? But anyways, so Zara arrives and Wilford says that she should be there for this. And she's like, as a hostage or a spectator. And, you know, he can see the other train, whatever, somewhere. And he says that they probably want to cut the head off the snake, but he has a surprise for them. So then we see Pike and the other workers are, like, lifting these heavy tubes for something. And then they start, like, uh, fighting the guards. So they're lined up. Josie's uh, going to jump over. Wilfred has a harpoon ready to shoot. You know, they're, they're going side by side. But Josie, you know, she's looking out, out the, the door or whatever, you know, because she's armored up. Um, she sees something like sticking out. So Leighton, or she, you know, she tells Leighton, Leighton says to switch tracks. The harpoon hits the bottom of the last car of, of Snowpiercer of Leighton's train. And then they're like rocking. So like they're about to derail. So they have to separate the, the last few cars or whatever and the, at the, the closest J link or whatever like that. So that means they're gonna have to lose four cars. Asha was back there in one of the compartments. So they have to like get her out of there. And but then it's like if if there's if they're dropping four cars, does that mean there's always going to be four cars sitting on those tracks? So that track is always going to be blocked now. So Leighton takes Asha to a new place. I don't know if it was like Melanie and Ruth's old quarters or maybe just something similar. And you know, he, she, then you, she, he's about to leave, but she's like, she asks him if he can turn off the lights, and she's just sitting there and she puts a helmet on, and and as he after he leaves, so it's like. I think she's just not used to being around people. You know, she's used to being alone in close quarters or whatever. Maybe there's just a lot going on. I don't know. So Leighton returns to the engine room. Ben says that they have a problem. Wilford's gone. His train went dark, so they could be anywhere now. Wilford's talking to Zara. He, you know, he's saying that how he's invested a lot in her. He wants her and the baby close to him and all his, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Leighton wants to go to higher ground. And then, you know, he's, he's like, well, you know, he tells them to turn their lights off too. He's like, if he's going to do it, we're going to do it or something like that. Kevin wakes up LJ and Osweiler. He goes in there and LJ's like, Kevin, she's like, how dare you? Because, you know, they're, they're sleeping in their bed. And he says that he's commandeering the night car for wartime measures. He tells them that Leighton's back. They scrambled up and Kevin's getting ready to torture some of the, the rebels, the Taylors or whatever. Pike goes to see Ruth. He, like, talks his way into by her cell and he tells, like, the, the one guard that if, if things go the other way, you know, because he, he knows, he's like, you know who, who I am? He's like, no, whatever. He's like, but I know you. And he knows his name. So he's like basically saying that, like, if Leighton wins, he's going to remember his name and everything like that. So the, the dude lets Pike go in to talk to, to Ruth. He says that he's going to get her out of there and stuff like that. Leighton then talks uh, to Asha. So it, it seems like she's pro wilford uh she says that you know they'd all be dead if it wasn't for him but leighton says that you know he built all this just for himself and then leighton mentions that you know he has a child on a way and he'll do anything or something like that and you know he just tells her you know it's gonna get rougher before it gets better so they've reached a ridge and they're, they're looking around with binoculars so pike uh, on, on the other train you know he's looking around in the hospitality room and he finds something 
So he's setting off fireworks. And until you know, she sees it, and she tells the others, like, do you see this? So, they, they, so now they know where they're at, where Wilford is. And Wilford's not too happy about this because, you know, he, obviously he knows this is going on. What Kevin is doing, meanwhile, he's, he's got the rebels sitting at tables and he's using the, the, the freezing stuff. And he's like freezing like their, their hands or their fingers, or whatever, and using the hammer to smash their fingers like one at a time because he wants to know like, you know, what, what's Leighton's plan? What's he doing? Who's, who's involved with, the, you know, the rebels or whatever. LJ is kind of enjoying the show, but Osweiler isn't happy because he's like, I didn't sign up for this. But she's like, well, Wilford is looking out for us. And Osweiler's like, if Leighton wins and finds out that this was going on a night car that they're running, you know, that's not going to be good for them. So Wilford is pushing to get the train to reach the ridge because if they make it, then they're home free because then they'll be able to like take off or whatever. But then it turns out that they're right in front of him. So it's, you know, Snowpiercer to Big Alice, come in. Wilford pauses and then finally he answers. He's like, oh, who am I speaking to? It's like, come on, you big jerk. Of course he knows. Leighton mentions uh, the deal that they had about keeping Audrey and Zara safe. Uh, Zara tells Leighton that, you know, she's okay. Then Wilford's like, I want to hear from Audrey. And Leighton's like, yeah, you can when you surrender. He's like, we can give you you two a, a car in first along with food and drink, and you can live the rest of your days together. So Wilford's not happy about that. You know, he's like, what? I'm, you know, I built all this. I'm going to get a piece in return. Leighton says that, you know, the offer is that they end this without violence. And Wilford's like, no deal. So then they turned a light on so like in the in the cockpit or the engine room or whatever so wilfred can see like audrey like right there because you know they're face to face you're front to front whatever so you can see audrey in the window and then he's like i want to hear her voice he's Leighton's like okay but then he Leighton runs back you know he, he takes out out of the room he puts on a suit and he's gonna go outside then wilfred tells audrey that he's like oh soon you know we'll, we'll be together or something like that wilfred orders full power down so he calls over. He says, they're dead on the tracks. If Snowpiercer doesn't reconnect, everyone will freeze to death. So Ben calls over. He's, he's like, oh, you're desperate. And Wilfred says, and you have no choice. So Ben finally says, prepare to reconnect. Then he, he tells Jave, abre una cerveza, amigo. Although his accent was, was worse than mine. Uh, so it's like, open a beer, my friend. He's like, is that code for something? So then Javi's just sitting there and he like slowly, you know, moves his hand. He reaches and he hits a button. It opens a side door. So soldiers on Wilford's train are getting ready. Wilford sees Josie outside in the front and he's all smug. You know, she has a pole and he's like, oh, you know, she won't do anything like that. But then she smashes against a windshield and windshield cracks. He like jumps back. He seals like the front door and then Leighton's like right bef- behind him. And Wilford's like, oh, good one. And then Leighton like knocks him down, kicks him, and he like stabs his hand. He smashes his head against the bar top, drags it across. And he's like, tell your men to stand out or I will throw you off this train. So he gets to like the mic and then he's like, this is head engineer Wilford. Boarding party, stand down. We will not be taking Snowpiercer by force. He's like, stand down. <laughs> he's like, weapons down. And Kevin's like, oh my God. Osweiler, he's looking nervously, and Wilford's like, happy now? And then Leighton's like, say it. And Wilford gets back on. Andre Leighton has a train. And Leighton says, he's like, citizens of Snowpiercer, we're back. He goes to Zara, and he hugs her, and her, you know, he gets down, and he's like hugging her pregnant tummy. And Josie walks in and sees him hugging. And it's just like, because she still likes Leighton. So they, Alex links up the trains. LJ's like, 
I think it's time we got on the right side of history. So she takes, she's, you know, she's like peeling like an orange or I think it was an orange or something, you know, she's using a knife or whatever. And then she's like, Oz, I love you so much. And you know, oh, she, she gives the, the orange to a tailie. It's like, oh, here's one little orange while the rest of you are sitting there or whatever like that. So she tells Oz she loves him. And then she, she jabs Kevin in the neck with the knife that she was using. And then she holds up her fist. Long live the resistance. It's like, oh my gosh, you are so full of it. But whatever, because that's, that's the end of Kevin, and he was just annoying. Wilford's taken in cuffs to a little cell. People are celebrating on a train. Leighton finds Ruth and you know, says that he never would have found her in her, you know, her civvies, whatever. She's like, she remembers that Wilfred had some you know, special booze, whatever. They hug. And then he says that he knew that she would keep everyone together. So Till oversees Roche getting out, taken out of the drawer because you know he got put in the frozen cryogenic frozer thing, whatever. They say he's stable. They take out uh, some lady, Anne, and then there's this other lady. They pull her, her open her drawer, but she didn't survive. She's kind of like mummified or whatever. So that's that's like the downside. That's the risk of putting people in the drawers, I guess. So the Tailies, then they paid her respects to Strongboy. So when when the, the, the rebels were being tortured, so Strongboy, the big, big dude, he was being um, tortured. He wouldn't do anything. And then finally at the end, you know, Kevin's like, let's see how, if you don't have anything to say. You don't need your tongue. So then he sprayed like some of the cold stuff in his mouth. And apparently... It killed him because he's all, he's laying there and his like mouth is like frozen open. So then, uh, like when when Pike goes up to him, he like covers like his lower, you know, pulls a blanket up to cover like his lower face, so you know everyone doesn't have to see it. Ben goes to see Javi. He's still sitting in the front, like cowering, and then he like shudders when Ben puts his hand on his shoulder, and then Ben like kind of takes him in his arms. Leighton tells Ruth that he believes their futures in Africa, so he's telling him his dream theory, whatever. She says it's the worst track that there is. You know, there's a war around there and he's going to have to convince the train. And she says, you know, a lot of people don't support him because, you know, they still support Wilford. Audrey gets told that she's confined to third and she's barred from the night car. And she's like, where's Joseph? And I, I don't know who, who this lady is, whatever. But she's like, you picked the wrong side. And then someone in the background are like, traitor. Josie bandages Wilford's hand. You know, he's in his little jail. And she's like, something to remember us by. And he's like, oh, look at this. The monster, you know, treating the doctor or whatever. I don't remember what he said. But then uh, he tells her, he's like, Leighton can't hold it together. He's like, he'll reject you again. He's like, I am the train. And she's just like, whatever. Leighton talks to Asha. And he says that there's going to be a vote. She gets one too. And she's like, oh, thanks. He's like, well, don't thank me yet. He's like, I have something to ask of you. Leighton's, uh, he goes to the hospitality mic and he's like, my fellow passengers, he's like, today for the first time since our departure, you will have a say in our destination and your choice will determine our future. By now, you know that Melanie's sacrifice gave us a map, proof that there are places on earth that are warming. So he mentions the other places where they went to. And he said, there's one more place that he wants to check out. He's like, there's something, or there's someone on a train, someone they had given up on, something like that. And it's, so it's Asha. He's like, he says, so he puts her, whatever. She's like, I am a survivor. Leighton found me out there, outside among trees, green grass, and life. I come from New Eden. And he says that he's not asking them to choose between him and Wilford, to choose between the train they know and the train they don't. So they all vote. So it turns out the yeas have it almost two to one. Leighton says that it's probably the last light that they'll have to say. And Ruth is like, oh, probably not. And then Josie's like, it's like, yeah, you know, they, they better be right about this because they go there. If there's nothing there, they're kind of in trouble. So it's weird. 
I don't understand this. You know, I, supposedly Leighton found Asha. Is, is he saying that he was in Africa at the the Eden place or whatever? And then how long is it going to take them to get there? And you know, they don't even know if they can get there because the track is rough. So I I don't understand this whole idea. But basically, she lied, saying that she came from this this paradise place, even though she didn't. So then we see Asha sitting in the library, and she has the helmet on, and then she closes like the the metal visor front thing. So there's something up with her. Like I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, how this plan is going to go because people find out that he's lying. That's just going to be in Wilford's favor. And I get they're not barbaric and everything like that, but man, Wilford is just he's evil. And they're just keeping him locked up. That's like it's he's not going to stay there. You know that. And, and the reason they don't want to kill him off because you need that evil enemy to drive the story forward or have whatever. Uh, that, and that's why I don't like the show because I don't, just don't like Wolf. But I, you know, if you don't have that the nemesis, then you know nothing exciting is going to happen. I guess I don't know. But that was this week's episode. So that was only the fourth episode. So I, I didn't think that Wilfer or that Leighton would would get the train back so soon. But that that's fine. Obviously, there's gonna be other there's got to be other problems coming up because we're only fourth episode. So we'll see. Okay, and now it is time for the Book of Boba Fett season one. Hopefully, we're gonna get more season one, episode seven, chapter seven. In the name of honor. Oh man! So this show, this this is a this is the last episode. I I hope there's more. I hope there's another season. I mean, the way things end, obviously, you know, there, there's room for more. And um, I don't think it's official that you know they they've given it a second season. They've already said I I don't I don't remember if I mentioned this in news that Andor is getting a second season and the first season hasn't started yet and they're already giving it a, a, a okay Andor. They need to sell me on that. I'm sure it's gonna be great. I am not excited at all for that show. I feel like I need to watch Rogue One again to see, like, why do I care about this dude? Anyways, we're not talking about that. So, Book of Boba Fett, it was an hour long. So, it was, like, super-sized episode. It's like, there's so much stuff going on. So, let's just jump to it. So, it starts out in Mos Espa. Boba and Fennec are look, looking at the destruction of Sanctuary. I just, I, it looks, it's all rubble in there. It's all burnt in there. I don't know if Madame Garza made it. Uh, I hope she did. I mean, I, I don't know. And, you know, he's like, we're at war. Even if we win, there might not be anything left of the city. And then Mandalorian comes in. Fennec asks if he got any foot because she's like, oh, that was fast. She's like, did you get any foot soldiers? He's like, I think so. So he mentions Cobb Vanth. But he, so he, he really doesn't know what's going on. And uh, she's like, what was the price that you negotiated? He's like, free. He's like, they've been... You know, Avanth has been holding off the spice trade single-handedly. I told him that we could shut it down. And Fennec's like, well, that's not free. She's like, that's most of Jabba the Hutt, or Jabba the Hutt's business. And Mando says, like, that's what the town wants. And Boba's like, I agree to their terms. So Fennec tells him that there's a lot of credits to be made from the orange powder, but Boba has it says that it's better for them in the long run. Moss Espa can become a prosperous city under their protection. Spice is killing their people. Mando tells Boba that he can get um, he can tell Vanth when he arrives with his men. So he's like, "Are you are you sure you're coming?" So he's pretty confident that Vanth is coming. Vanth is shot. Is he going to survive? And maybe we'll find out later. Boba says that you know if he doesn't, then they're doomed. And uh, so that they'll they'll stall there until they arrive. They'll like 
locked themselves down in the palace. The cyber teen dude, I think his name is Skag, we find out. I was, I was like, I know none of their names, but I think they, they mentioned some of them. Um, he says that he's like, that's a bad idea. And he suggests that they wait there in the ruins of the sanctuary. The cyber girl, <laughs> when I think she's kind of cool. And so here, her name is Drash. I just realized she is in Yellow Jackets. So I've been watching Yellow Jackets. I didn't finish it. I, I was like watching it like around the holidays. And, uh, you know, when I was off for work, when I was on winter break, and I, I really enjoyed the show. I think I have, like, maybe two more episodes of that to watch, and I know I shouldn't be talking about it now. But I didn't realize that Drash is young Natalie. So if you've been watch, if you watch Yellow Jackets, you probably realize that. I just knew, had no idea. I just... Yeah, I feel like it's such a dope. But so she, um, she's like, we're staying here. You know, she's like, the people need our protection. And so I, I kind of like her. Her, She's got a little spunk or whatever. So, and I, I, I like that. So Boba agrees that they'll stay there. Um, Cad Bane walks by a bunch of Jawas in town where he goes to Mak Shai's, the, uh, the, the mayor or whatever. Um, he's telling someone that he has to respond in some way. So he's talking to his Pike dude. I guess it's a Pike leader, maybe. Cat says they won't have to worry about Freetown. The mayor asks if Fett has any other resources to call on. And, you know, because, you know, he used to live with a, a Tuscan tribe. But the the Pike says that they no longer exist. And the mayor is like, are you sure? And the Pike's like, yes. He's like, I destroyed them. Or I, we destroyed them ourselves. And Cat growls. He's like, does Fett know that? And he's like, he has no idea. He thinks they were killed by Nikto speed bikers. So they left evidence behind to make him think that. So he got his revenge. So in Boba Fett's mind, the matter's resolved. The mayor asks, how much longer will this take? He's, he says that, you know, no more explosives. He's like, I didn't sign, sign off on bombing Garza's sanctuary. You know, she's like, I'm still the mayor. And, you know, I don't want to see the city destroyed. The Pike says that Fed is taking refuge in the ruins. So it's like, how do they know all this? He says it'll take extreme measures to remove them, and Kat says he has an idea to draw him out. So an X-Wing fighter goes to Peli Mato's starport place. So yay, she's back again. And she's like panicking. She's telling her droids, she's like, hide that, hide this, do this, or whatever. So then she yells at the, the officer. She's like, oh, I was just filing my Republic seal, whatever, you know, right as he landed. The cockpit opens up, and is it empty there's no one there and then wait is, is that an r2 droid it looks looks like it's blue grogu's in there his head pops up so she's over overjoyed to see him and r2 i guess asked her if the mandalorian's that is, is there and she picks up you know she's like oh you know he's off on doing something like that she picks up grogu and she's like grogu she's like that's a terrible name she's like sorry pal no way i'm calling you that which that seems kind of rude it's like okay that's his name it's like someone says, comes up and like, hey, my name is, is Charlie. Oh, Charlie, that's horrible. I'm not calling you Charlie. I'm going to call you Stan instead. <laughs> it just seems, seems so stupid. Another reason I don't like her. Who cares? It doesn't matter what you think of his name. That's his name. Uh, what, she going to keep calling him little guy? So she sees that. She's like, oh, you have something shiny on. So he's wearing the, the, the shirt. So I guess he doesn't want to be a Jedi. I guess Luke's ultimatum failed. Way to go, Master Skywalker. You drive away your first and only student. Before your school is even built, you're driving your students away. So then she gets, she tells the droid to get him some grub worms or something like that. It's like she just happens to have grub worms <laughs> laying around. And R2's like, you know, she's like, she's rude to him because he's like, he has to go off somewhere. He has to do something. I don't know. They're waiting in the ruins. 
at, at Sanctuary. Fennec says that their people are patrolling the city as they wait for Vance men. The Pike reinforcement aren't there yet. The Gamorian guards are at the starport looking for Pikes to arrive. Kersantan is in the Transdotian territory, keeping tabs on the street in front of the city hall. Drash, the, the mod girl, and Skag. Skag? Was it Skag? I don't think it was Skag. Skag. Um, they're with the other mods keeping an eye on the workers, uh, the water district, whatever, the workers district, and the Aqualish quarter. So she's like, you know, no one will sneak up on them. Then 88, the, the droid comes in. He's like, oh, someone's here to see you. And you're like, I thought no one's going to sneak up on us. <laughs> so it's Cad Bane. Boba says, you know, he walks out in the street. He's like, oh, I thought I smelled something. He's like, if you're looking for a job, you're late. And Cad's like, I already got a job. He's like, I'm here to negotiate on behalf of the Pike Syndicate. I don't know, as, as, I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm kind of like rocking back and forth. <laughs> good thing, uh, good thing I, don't do, I should do video podcasts, right? No one wants to see that. Uh, Boba, he's like, I don't negotiate with gutless murderers. And he, he's basically like, you know, pot call, calling the kettle black or something like that. And, you know, Boba's like, clear out. And he's like, you know, the Pikes are outnumbered. Cat says, he's like, I wouldn't be counting on the people of Freetown to be coming anytime soon. I paid Marshal Vanth a visit. He's like, you should have never left him without his armor. And Fennec and Mando, they pop up on, on the sides, whatever, you know, they're, they're armed there. And Cat says, before you get any ideas, I've got back shooters too. I think there's like, there's maybe three, I don't know if there's four, like snipers, like up on top of the building, you know, behind Cat. He's like, let the spice move through Mos Espa and all this can be avoided. And Boba Fett, he's like, no. And then he's like, I'll only negotiate with the head. It's weird. My, my Boba, my, my cat sound the same. I'll only negotiate with the head of the Pike Syndicate. And Cat's like, you mean the one that massacred your Tuscan family and blamed it on a speed bike gang? Okay, Cad is a, a jerk and he doesn't have like extreme loyalty to the Pikes. He's just working for him. But he's basically, he's like, He's he's throwing his his boss under the bus, and he's obviously he's doing it to to rile up Boba Fett. To, yeah, and okay, so you know that makes sense. Whatever, because you know he gets a little flashback. We see him going finding the all the Tuscans burnt and the, the symbol, you know, the the biker gang symbol, whatever. And Cad kind of smirks. He's like, you know, it's true. So Boba's getting ready to shoot him. You know, he's got his gun ready, and if Fennec comes out, she's like to keep him in check. She's like, and Cad's like. Let's do this right here, right now. He opens up his coat. Fennec tells Boba, it's like, not now. It's like, you should pick, you know, when. And Boba's like, he killed Vanth. And so that's the other thing. It's like, wait, he he just shot him, right? He's Is he still alive? He, and he's like, Re- reinforcements are coming. He's like, I can take him. She's like, you're emotional. And he says, I can take him. He, he just repeats himself. Fennec's like, we need to adjust. He's like, you'll have your moment. So then... He rests his hand, you know, because his hand, it was like on a, on a the barrel of a gun. He just puts it back on his other hand. He And Cat smiles some more or because he's like, tell your client negotiations are terminating. So Cat's like, you're going soft in your old age. And Boba's like, we all do. Then the major domo comes out. He tells Boba, he's like, that was an impressive display of restraint. He's like, if you want, I can offer more, more counsel. And Boba says... He's like, I wonder how much Cad would pay for the Twi'lek. And then he's like, okay, understood, whatever. So then uh, Drash calls on a comm, says, like, something feels strange over there. The, the Pikes haven't arrived yet, but something just feels off. So then several Aqualish start shooting at the mods. You know, they're pulling out guns that are, like, hidden. And she calls over. She's like, the locals are attacking. And they're like, well, you know, what about our treaty or whatever? And one mod gets hit. Drash calls. She's like, they laid a trap. 
Boba calls to Santo. I was like, who the heck is Santo? So Santo, I guess, is short for Chris Santan. He, he was he's standing around. He's like looking around, and then several Transdotians start pulling out big blades and it's like that. The other town folk that are around in the Transdotian section, they start getting up. They're like, we're getting the heck out of here. The Gamorians are standing by the train. You know, this train goes by, and then five like thugs get off, and then they're like like fighting or anything like that. But they're getting pushed back, and they're like on top of this cliff. They get forced off the cliff and fall down like to the city or something like that. So the Gamorians are gone. The two, the lone two Gamorian guards. That's kind of sad. And they squeal on their way down. <laughs> sad. Kersantan shoots a couple, but you know he's getting attacked from all sides. Boba tells the others it's a coordinated attack. Fennec's like, there's there's no way to overcome you know to overcome their advantage. So they get the major domo to tell them where the pikes operate out of in Moss S or Moss Isley. So Fennec says she's gonna go over there. So she hops on a little speeder. Kersantan, he's now like on the front steps of the, the whatever the building. He's like shooting some. They start overwhelming him. He like punches a couple like that, but they still all overwhelm and, and pile on top of him. So I guess he he's he's done. The mods are pinned. You know they they can't go anywhere. Another one gets shot. Fennec radios. She's like you know she tells him to stay put. They're like, but you know we have nowhere to go. She's like, keep your heads down. And then the Aquilas start getting shot from above. And some some are running. Fennec comes out. You know she's on, on top of some buildings. She got there fast. I don't know how long how far they were. And then, um, she, so she's on top of the mods where shooting, I think there's like four mods left or whatever. And she tells him to get to the sanctuary and she gets back on her little speeder bike, or she gets on this other, other, like a speeder bike vehicle thing or whatever. And Drash is like, thank you. And Fennec's like manners. I like it. And she's like, you're welcome. Several pikes walk up to the sanctuary. Some, you know, take sniping positions, whatever. Mando's, you know, inside the sanctuary. He sees that they're there. It's no sign of Cad Bane. Boba says that, you know, it'd be a miracle if any of the others survived. So the three Gotras, Gotras or whatever they're, they're called, the families, turned on them. Mando says he's like, well, it was a smart move. And Boba has to agree. So he's, then he supposes he's that Mandalorian. He's like, well, you're probably heading out too. And he's like, I'm not. And Boba's like, well, you should. Mando's like, it goes against the creed. He's like, I gave you my word. He's like, I'm with you until we both fall. And Boba's like, you really buy into that bantha fodder? And Mandalorian's like, I do. And he's like, good. So Mandalorian says that they have two choices. Basically, wait until the pikes get into position and then launch a siege on them on their terms. Or they rush out and catch them unaware, You know, start, start attacking them. So they can then escape the Boba ship at the palace. But Boba's like, we can't abandon Masa Espa. He's like, they're counting on him. But it's like the people, it's like, when did they say, hey, Boba Fett, can you, uh, can you help us? Mando says, okay, then we'll bo- both die in the name of honor. So he pulls out his gun. He's like, this is the way. The major domo, he's like, uh, can I offer an alternative? He's like, you may not know this by looking at me, but I was educated on Coruscant. He's like, I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. Or whatever. He's like, I attended finishing academy. He's talking about his parents. And you're like, just get to it. He's like, I specialize in civic council negotiations. He's like, so basically he wants to negotiate on their behalf. And, you know, he's, he's certain that they would be granted safe passage off the world with, at worst, some theatrical, symbolic, groveling gestures and, and exchange of funds and stuff like that. Boba's like, very well. He's like, give me your tablet. So he's right down, like, what he's willing to pay, whatever, stuff like that. So the major domo goes out. He's like, oh, I was like, I, I have no weapons. I have the terms of surrender. So he wants to talk to a pike that can, you know, whoever's in the leader there. 
So he he's, he reads the the terms. He's like, I, Boba Fett, speaking as Daimo of the Tatooine territories formerly held by Jabba the Hutt, do present the following offer. So, like, Boba Fett, he wrote a bit. He, he writes fast. Maybe shorthand or whatever. So then uh, the Major Domo kind of pauses, and uh, he tries. He's like, maybe we should discuss what you're willing to offer. And the Pike's like, Get, keep reading. So he's like, the following offer, nothing... You will leave this planet and your spice trade. If you refuse these terms, the arid sands of Tatooine will once again flourish with flowered fields fertilized with the bodies of your dead. The pike, like, raises his gun to shoot. He's like, his words. Then the, the pike's gun gets shot. So Mando and Boba Fett, they're flying above under jetpacks. They're shooting down at the pikes. They take out a, a lot of them. Boba gets shot in the hand or something like that. Uh, or the gun, and he falls to his knee because they, they come back down. Uh, he drops his, his rifle. A pike comes to shoot him, but then he shoots Boba shoots him with his knee rockets, which I think is cool when he uses that. He gets up. Mandalorian's getting hit a few times. Eventually, he falls down, too, because just an impact or whatever, getting shot. More pikes are coming. Boba shoots. <laughs> he shoots, and he lifts his knee. He shoots another one with his knee rockets. <laughs> the Mand- Mandalorian shoots his tiny little missiles from his wrist. They take out a bunch more, and they're like, they just keep coming. And they're both getting knocked down by laser fires. Like, it's just concentrated, just you know, just impact or whatever. Then one um, coming at them gets shot at the, from the side. This transport comes with like big like cannon guns on there it's people of freetown including like the bartender so the mando you know they they say pull up in the front of the sanctuary so they're like kind of using it as like a shield or you know to shoot from behind mandalorian uh, you know says the bartender he's like oh i'm sorry about the marshal and the bartender's like they gunned him down in cold blood so does that mean he didn't survive because they're like he's you know i think they didn't they say he's breathing get a med pack but i guess he didn't survive Mandalorian says that you know they didn't have to come here, and he's he's like, yes, we did. Then the mods arrive, um, Scad or whatever his name is. His his bike gets hit. He goes flying over the front, which is, seems kind of silly. He's like, you're just you're coming in in your little space Vespa or whatever, and it's like you got to drive a little little cautiously i don't know so then uh drash has to come and, and like you know get him this to, to, to cover so they head to the, like the freetown transport sort of on the front then a couple pikes go flying from like around the corner curse antan's fighting and you know he there's like one on top of him he like tosses pike and then like shoots him in the air so it's it kind of neat and but then curse antan so he's walking towards him he's getting shot at too but it's almost like luckily they keep hitting him like in his armor, like his shoulder little armor thing or his his uh, whatever his oh what's the thing called uh, the 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 boat not whatever. Anyways, he's like he they're they have horrible aim. They either have really good aim or they're hitting him. He has good luck and he's getting hit right in the armor or whatever. So it's just. But then uh, he's like hobbling towards the other. He does end up getting shot in the back of the leg, and then Boba like runs out. He's like cover me. So he goes and helps him over. And Boba's like, was like, oh, I owe you a nice long soak in the back of the tank when we get get back. The bartender says that they're they're falling back, so they start cheering. But then the Mandalorian he turns on his like thermal visors or whatever, you know, some whatever. He sees like this big battle droid coming. Uh, actually, there's two. He's like, uh, maybe we shouldn't celebrate just yet. So they're like they're not regular like episode one battle droids. These things are like massive. They're huge. They like take up like the whole street, and they have like the big force fields. So Boba like he tries targeting this. They have like these red like control centers at the at the middle. So even though they have the force field, he targets both of them, but he shoots one rocket, 
hits a big cloud of like fire and smoke and everything like that. And it doesn't look like it did anything. <laughs> so it's like, that stinks. But now he doesn't have his rocket. But then later he end up, he does have a rocket. So he must have found another one, put it in. I don't know. So then Boba tells him to, to run while he distracts him. The, the battle droid things are shooting. The transport like blows up. They fly up jet on her jet packs. Mando, he's taking, he takes out his dark saber and he starts like hitting the force field, like, you know, trying to get it, but it's just like bounces off. Boba tells Mando to protect the others. He's like, they need reinforcements. But Mando's like, from where? He's like, you've run out of friends. Curse Santan's like shooting. He, you know, he's trying to weaken the force field. Tries like pushing his hand through, but then he gets swatted by you know one of the droid legs, spider leg things. Drash and, and Scad come to his side. More pikes are, are are coming back, and then you know they're they're trying to shoot them and everything like that. Uh, Mato, Peli Mato comes up in a chariot pulled by droid a droid. And she's like, Mando, we found you. She's like, have I got a surprise for you? And he's like, turn around, turn around. And she's like, what? And there's like explosions. So she yells at droid, turn around. He hops on the back of, of the chariot thing. So the, the others are being pushed back by the second battle droid. Drash says that they need to stop retreating and take it down. But one of the Freetown people are like, like what? You know, where are we going to go? And she's like, I grew up you know, just down around the corner or something like that. So they're going to run out of cover soon. And then more pikes are, are coming there. On a chariot, Mato's like, hey, Mando, look who's here. And she pulls back a blanket. He's like, what? He, he sees Grogu. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? And Grogu le <laughs> leaps up into his arms. And Mando's like, oh, I'm happy to see you too. He's like, I didn't know when I'd see you again. He's like, I missed you too. And then he puts him back down on the seat. He's like, you need to keep your head down until the fight's over. And then he's, he notices, he's like, oh, you're wearing it. So he's wearing the shirt. So they're, they're being chased by the first battle droid. Uh, but it's like, they're going straight down a road. It's like, why not like turn? Because this battle droid thing's not going to be able to turn like as, as easily as, as they could. So they're being chased. Uh, but then the, the droid pulling the chariot gets shot and the, the chariot kind of flips forward and they go flying. Mandalorian turns on his jetpack, catches Grogu. They, you know, rough land and they slide a bit. So they're standing in the streets and, you know, they're, they're trying to shoot at, at the, the, the big battle droid. Then there's like this big roar. And then you see uh, over building, big claw, another claw, the rancor's there. It's like on top of the building. Boba's on its back, riding it. The battle droid starts shooting at it and it jumps from on top of the building to another, swats at the battle droid, hits it again, knocks it over. But then, the, you know, battle droid's able to, to get up. Mandalorian puts Grogu down and you know he says you know not to move the rancor is like you know pushing down on, on the force field mandalorian you know it's like just all the pressure so mandalorian's able to enter it uh the rancor hits it the mandalorian chops off one of the guns like stabs it you know he's using the the dark saber stabs the top of the droid grogu strolls out doo -doo 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 -doo, and then uh the droid turns the fire on the mandalorian because you know it still has the other gun and then grogu raises his hand and then it kind of like moves up and then this, a piece flies off and Grogu catches it. And then the, the Rancor jumps out, smashes it, and then tears it apart in half. So the mods and the Freetown people are still like stuck. And, you know, they're just still trying to shoot the other battle droid and the pikes. Drash and a Freetown lady, they moved it. They went around back to like the rooftop of, of like across the street. Drash is going to shoot at the droids while the lady shoots at the pikes. And then the rancor comes and like you know, smashing down the street, knocks the battle droid over like into a building and it 
kind of collapses on it. The Rancor, you know, it, it comes out. It gets shot again. It's like angry, smashes, like f- flinging things, people, whatever. It moves around, grabs the guns. The legs are like slashing at it. The, the battle droid legs are slashing at the Rancor. More shooting. It goes to stab the Rancor again, but then the Rancor like kind of flings it, tears off a gun, smashes a control center, you know, with a claw, tears out a out out leg, smashes it down or impales it, and then it's there's you know shooting after the pikes more smashing and it's just it's just you know continued chaos or whatever meanwhile cad bane walks out to buy you know where the rancor is shoots flame as at its face and it rears back makes boba fall off which is just kind of lame and then he shoots more fire at it and then it climbs on top of a building and runs away it just seems kind of kind of lame it's like okay it can take laser fire and getting slashed at, but some fire makes it, uh, maybe Rancors just hate fire. I don't know. Maybe that could be their weakness. Boba gets up, tells Cad to clear out and take his hoodlum gang with him. And Cad's like, I've known you a long time, Boba. One thing I can't figure, what's your angle? He's like, this is my city. These are my people. I will not abandon them. And Cad says, like the Tuscans. And Boba's like, do not toy with me. He's like, I'm not a little boy any longer. And you're an old man. And Cat says, and I'm still faster than you. And Boba's like, that may be, but I have armor. And Cat's like, let's find out. He opens up his jacket. So they're standing there. They shoot at each other, but somehow Boba misses, and Boba gets like shot in the, like, the, the shoulder, and he like, kind of gets knocked back. Cat's like, it's about time you jet off to your back to tank. Boba's like, he's like, this is my city. He's, and he shoots flames at him. Cat ducks and rolls, shoots Boba again. Cat's like, you gave it a shot. You tried to go straight, but you've got your father's blood pumping through your veins. You're a killer. Boba, like, uh, he kicks Boba as he's, like, reaching for his rifle. This isn't the first time I beat you out on a job. He puts his foot down on his wrist. And then then I think he he must have got Boba's gaffy stick, and he, like, kind of like pins down his, his other arm. And he's like, there's no shame in it. And he pries off his helmet, kind of tosses aside. He's like, consider this my final lesson. Look out for yourself. He raises his gun to shoot. He's like, anything else is weakness. But then Boba raises his arm that's pinned down with like the gaffy stick. So he blocks a shot. He, he, the gaffy stick hits Cad's gun. It flies out of his hand. And because I, I was like, wait, where did the, I didn't totally miss where he got the gaffy stick from? So he hits Cad, uses this, you know, hits him in, in with the, the one end kind of in the gut. And then he uses like the hook and to, to pull his leg back, knock him down. Cad shoots with his other gun, but then he, Boba knocks that gun out of his head, hand, and then on the ground, Bo, you know, Cad's laying there. He's like, "I knew you were a killer," and he tries using the flame again. But Boba like knocks his wrist away with the gaffy stick. He raises it, <laughs> jabs it down on Cad's chest, and then Boba's like kind of standing over him, and then he like walks away. So uh, <laughs> I guess that's it. One of my students is like, "Do you think they're gonna kill off Cad Bane?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> I like laughed at him. I was like, "No!" It's like they just—they just showed us live-action Cad Bane. They're not going to kill him right away. I guess I was wrong. They keep proving me wrong, which I guess is good. So the people are are, are still running. The Rancor is like smashing things, and uh, the Freetown people and they're like shooting at it. And then Mandalorian runs up. He's like, "You're scaring it." He's like, "Put your blasters down." It climbs up to this tower. Mandalorian hands Grogu to Mato. He flies up onto the Rancor's back, but then it grabs him, flings him down, smashes him through a building, picks him up, and it's like trying to chop on him. 
And like, but his, you know, he's got his, his armor on, so he can't do anything. Uh, while he's holding him, he shoots some fire into its mouth. Rancor flings him down. He like smashes into like the corner of like a building, and he's like he's out knocked out on the street. Grogu doot, 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 just kind of struts out. It's just kind of funny the way he walks, just because of whatever the puppets and he's just like it's almost like he's like strutting out there. So now he's in front of the Rancor. It roars at him. And it's like, you know, you can see the vibrations like just shaking him, but you know, he's standing his ground. And then Grogu holds up his hand and the Rancor head starts like slowly going down and and then he falls asleep. Grogu walks up to it, pats his like face, whatever, and then he goes over to like the side of it, plump, he falls asleep too. And it's almost like he's snuggling next to next to the Rancor. Uh, then we see the Pike leader. He tells the others that the syndicate forces have pulled back from Moss Espa and should be arriving there in Moss Isley shortly so that they can disembark. So he's talking with the other leaders from the other districts or whatever. And one dude's like, you can't just cut and run. He's like, we had a deal. And the Pike's like, the deal was that Tatooine would be a hospitable place to do business. He's like, half my men were either shot or eaten by a rancor. And he's like, you call that hospitable? And then you hear, pew, pew. He's shooting outside. He's like, guards. But then there's silence. And, you know, they all have their guns out. And then the other leaders, they're getting shot. The mayor, you know, he gets up. He gets like a cable around his neck and pulled up. He's hung. So I guess he's dead. And then uh, the pike leader, he's, he's like shooting at the ceiling. He's like, Where, who is this? What's going on? And then he gets stabbed in the back by Fennec. And then she just like runs out of there. So they're all dead. At the starport, we, we see people there and we see like the streets people are cleaning up the debris of the towns just like that Boba and Fennec are, are walking people put like their arm to their chest and like bow to him like like one one fist you know their right hand over you know crossing and then he's she he's like oh why does it have to be the right arm because you know his arm's sore every time you know every time they do that he does it back to them and she's like you should use a back to tank he's like oh it's being used then he's like why must everyone bow at me and she's like it's better than that than shooting some kids like run up to him offer him a fruit a meal run or something like that and he tells fennec he's like we're not suited for this and she's like if not us then who then Kersantan and mods walk up boba tosses a fruit to Kersantan, and then uh scad he's like oh Kersantan gets a gets a fruit but we don't whatever and it's like whatever and they're like oh do you want to share it chrysanthemum the camera pans up to space we see the mandalorian starfighter grogu is in like the little droid compartment and he's got like some metal and he's like tapping on the glass no tap 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 no tap tap Mm-mm. no tap 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 all right this is the last time flicks the switch the hyperspeed super rocket jetpack whatever Whoosh. And that's how it ends. So he, and that's the thing. It's Boba Fett's show, and the, and the final shot is is Mandalorian and Grogu. Oh my goodness! So that that was good. Say what you will. Too much Mandalorian. I mean, well, Mandalorian is awesome. Grogu's awesome. Too much of them. Not enough Boba Fett. But uh, it was good. I, I wasn't expecting. I didn't think. I thought Vance would survive. I didn't think Cad would die. But I, I guess it's justice. But it was, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. It was cool seeing Boba riding the Rancor, seeing how fierce the Rancor could be. Um, some of the stuff was cheesy, like the mods and the Freetown people teaming up or whatever. But I, I do like Drash. I hope we see more of her. I, th- I think she's got potential to, to be cool. 
uh scad he, he seemed worthless he he can't even ride his bike he gets like flung off but i just wished your vespas weren't so shiny and then it wouldn't be so bad but but that's fine so it was a good show uh it's just crazy about grogu though that he just left like you know he whatever and what happened to r2's r2 is he still waiting at the starport he's like or did he go back and the fact that luke's just gonna let him go it's like okay man hardcore <laughs> you, you choose a, a metal vest and your shirt metal chainmail shirt and you're kicked out of the jedi not even there's not even an academy and you're kicked out. anyways so that was the the season finale hopefully we get more because uh, i i love boba fett and and i, I want to see what's what's going to happen next so yeah book of boba fett now it's time to watch it over again right Oh, here's the thing. So I actually just pause here because I, I saw a thing. Uh, there's mid a mid credit scene for Book of Boba Fett. I had it on. I don't know how I missed it. I I have no idea how. There, so there's a mid credit scene. I actually went to the end because I even looked back up because I, I always let it run all the way through because I my fear is here's here's the whatever. If I feel like if I stop it during the credit and then the what's continue watching section, I don't want it to have continue watching if it's just like the last bit of, of the credit. So I usually let the credits go. Sometimes I will f- physically, you know, fast for f- plus 15 seconds, 15, you know, go to the end. I let it go all the way through until it's like, oh, now you should watch under the helmet or, you know, whatever this other thing because you watch this. Somehow I totally missed the, the mid credit scene. So the the mod guy, I forgot his, oh, what was his name? The dude with like all the different hand adjustments. He's like looking over to back to tank and uh, Vanth Marshall, he, he's in the back to tank. So he, he, he didn't die or they're going to, they're, or potentially. So he could come back. And then potentially also, you know, I, I don't want to talk about it. Is, is Cad Bane really, really gone? You know, because his, uh, his chesting was lit up, like it was still going. So it's like, you know, did he call his, is his, does he still have his droid at this point? You know, could he be, could, I, I just find it hard to believe that they would do live action. I've said this, that they would do live action Cad Bane only to kill him. So and apparently, Rosa, I don't, I don't think I mentioned this. Rosario Dawson wasn't too happy. She tweeted something. She's like, "Well, that happened." Cause I guess she's looking forward to, ha- you know, whatever. So we'll see. But again, I, I lo- love the show. Okay, with Servant season three, episode four. Holy crap! So I, I like the show. You know, it's it's um it's kind of like a slow burn. You know, it's it's like what the heck is going on? It's a little uncomfortable at times or anything like that. I love the like the weird, different, random like shots that we get. It's kind of like an M Night Shyamalan thing, and and I I never look at the credits, so I don't know like how heavily involved he is. You know, because you know he's not directing all the episodes, or you know, is he just producing or whatever? You and. So every once in a while we, we get these like certain random shots and, and I, I just dig the vibe, you know, it's just kind of creepy. But this, this episode, there's a part, I was like, holy, holy crap. So it's called Ring. And as I'm watching it, I was like, you know, it's like, why is this called Ring? We're like, what's the big deal? And we find out, like, that's why it's called Ring. Anyways, so it starts off, Leanne goes like to this other room in the attic, like this, this like upper attic part. And, you know, she's looking out the window again. She sees the kids at the park, and they, they like, look up at her. And then uh, then we see Leanne has – and uh, Dorothy, 
they have on like yoga clothes and she feels a little weird in there because it's like so skin tight and it's like you know revealing i think she's like oh i feel like i'm naked or something like that and but dorothy's like oh no whatever so there's like a couple mirrors there in like a the balance the bar the ballet bar thing and whatever so i don't know if dorothy was a dancer at some point and they're they're kind of like doing some some moves or something like that and leanne's like oh i'm terrible at dancing because she's like that's what my mother used to say because i guess like whenever there she was in a pageant pageant whatever she'd have to work really hard to get her act perfect or whatever like that but then like sean calls down dorothy and she's like oh i have to go because the safety guy is there so they're gonna like baby proof the thing. So the the safety guy, he he like he's like, oh, I, right at the top, I see like fifteen deadly things, whatever, and he's clearly trying to rack up the price. You know, he's saying we got to do this. He's like, oh, that armoire where there's you know the kids love to climb and they got to bolt this like uh, outlets, and so he he's he's like, oh, and then he's like, all these stairs, we have to put a, like a baby gate at each level, and. So it's, they're going to, like, trash this place, like, baby-proofing or anything like that. But I guess that's what you got to do. When At one point, during, oh, because in, in the kitchen, Sean's like, yeah, I know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll have to remove all, all this stuff under under the, the sink or something like that. And the guy's like, no, we'll just put, you know, locks on all the cabinets. And he's like, well, I'm a professional chef. He's like, I can't have all these gadgets because, you know, he, or all these, you know, locks on there because he needs to get stuff, like, right away or whatever. And Leanne's, you know, she's holding Jericho. She's like, we don't need all this. She's like, as long as I'm here, nothing will happen to Jericho. And the guy just kind of like looks at her. He's just like, he's bald dude, he's like a chain and he's kind of got a gut and, you know, he thinks he's like, you know, Rico Suave or whatever. But Dorothy actually like scoffs at her and, you know, whatever. Jericho starts fussing and Leanne tells Dorothy, she's like, well, you need to feed him. And so they're in the other room and they're alone and she's like, I really don't like that man. And then Dorothy's like, he's not one of your creepy cult people. She's like, he's, he's owned the company for, you know, years. And she's like, you, ha- you know, you have to learn to trust that I know what's best for Jericho. That's what Dorothy says. And then, you know, she has the news on and she's ticked off that this younger reporter is doing this story on some party. She's like, I covered that for eight years and blah, 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 all this stuff like that. And then, you know, she's so she's trying to breastfeed. She's like, you know, maybe we should switch a formula because, you know, I don't think I'm getting much out of this. And Leanne's like, she's like, no, but, you know, your your milk is better or whatever. And, you know, she's not, you're not sticking to a schedule and, and you need to drink more water. And she tries giving Dorothy like a water bottle and like that. And she snaps. She's like, it's fine. She's like, leave it. And Dorothy's just like, I mean, Leanne's just like, she just walks out of room and, and Dorothy just closes her eyes. So she kind of felt bad, but, you know, it, I guess it was a bit much. You know, Leanne is very, being very forceful or very whatever i don't know what i'm looking for but then uh later leanne's sitting out on the steps and dorothy comes out and you know she's like oh are we still friends and you know she sits next to her and kind of like puts her you know kind of hugs her her leanne's you know head to her shoulder or whatever but then uh she's leaving somewhere you know this car pulls up she's like you're going somewhere and she's like yeah i asked for a meeting at the station she's like sometimes you have to ask for what you need so then when the car leaves the dude beggar, the beggar kid is there. So there was like two girls and, and this dude. He was the one that actually like talked on camera. Leanne uh, starts to get up and tells him to stay away from him. He's like, oh, I just want to talk to you. And she goes to the door, but Dorothy must have accidentally locked her out because, you know, she, it, the door's locked. So she gets her keys. She drops her keys and dude's like so slowly walking across the street, getting close, starts walking up the steps right when she makes it inside. So it's like, are these cult people? It's like, what, what the heck is, what's going on here? Then Toby arrives. Uh, he has someone that he wants Sean to meet. So Toby's like Sean's uh, assistant chef, whatever dude. 
surname Sylvia. She said that she had, you know, she's like, oh, I had a sweet job on a, you know, as a private chef for a guy in a yacht, but he got busted by the feds. And she's like, now I'm back in the city just trying to, uh, you know, pay off my student loans. Toby sees Leanne with Jericho. He's like, oh, you, you know, you should come meet my girlfriend. And then Sylvia's like, oh, he's cute. What, he's like 18 months? And Sean's like, oh, no, he's nine months. He's, you know, big for his age. Then Toby's like, well, anyways, he's like, if you ever need an extra, you know, set of hands for a big job, you know, she, Sylvia could totally help out. And she's like, and I have references. She's like, you know, not the yacht guy because, you know, he's in prison. And Sean's like, I don't usually need. And then she like cuts him off. She's like, sometimes you don't know how much help you need until it's too late. And he's just like, you know, I, I need to get back to work. And she's like, you know, she gets up. She's like, I'll even work the first shift for free as a trial basis. So they leave. And then Sean's like, what was that? He's like, Toby knows better than to try to foist some cook on me. He, but it turns out, you know, they do have this big gig tomorrow. Then he asks Leanne, he's like, how would you like to help? You know, like make some like taffy candy or, or something like that. And she's like, yeah, you know, she, she think that'd be, be fun. Later, uh, you know, Sean walks in the bedroom and says that you know, he got the baby proof estimate. He's like three thousand dollars for you know ninety nine cent you know baby proof lock. But Dorothy's on the phone and she like just sticks her finger out you know like motions him to stop. And then she gets off the phone. She's like excited and she's like I'm back in the game. And she's like so she's gonna be out all week and you know, she'd be covering something. And Sean's like but I need Leanne in the kitchen tomorrow. And she's like well don't you have Toby? And he's like yeah but there's a ton of prep. He's like you know can't we get someone else to look after Jericho? And Dorothy's like. Do you expect me to just snap my finger and find someone else who can watch her child? He's like, no, but Leanne was really looking forward to it. And she's like, she can cook with you anytime. She's like, I just need this one week to focus on myself and my work. She's like, can you give me that? And she's got like this big smile on her face. And it's just like, you know, sometimes Dorothy is just, she's just a bit much. Then later, Leanne's back up at the attic in front of the dance mirror. You know, she's she's clearly waiting for for Dorothy, who's not coming. So then, you know, later she she goes down. And Dorothy's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, and she's like, why are you dressed for work? And she's like, I'm finally being shown the respect that I deserve again. So she's being given this you know, big assignment, crazy you know, hours this week. And so Sean is going to have to find someone else to help in the kitchen so Leanne can focus on Jericho. Then she's like, are my buttons straight? And it's just like, really, lady? It's like, you, you can't do your own, you can't button up your own shirt. So Leanne's like, well, what time will you be home? And she's like, late. She's like, it's live, but there'll you know, be some B-roll. And Leanne's like, it's not good for Jericho when you're out late. And, and, and then Dorothy goes to turn, and Leanne, like, forcibly, like, grabs, you know, she's holding on a shirt. She, like, grabs it, like, straightens her up because she's trying to, you know, do her buttons. <laughs> it's just like, wow. And she's like, just a few more buttons. And so Dorothy goes on about how, she, you know, she knows that Leanne gets nervous when she's not there, you know, she, but she's like, you know, I love my job, you know, and it makes me a better mother. And she's like, and God forbid anything ever happened to Sean, you know, I can support the household. Leanne says that, you know, she would never let anything happen to Sean. And Dorothy mentions that, you know, you should think of your future too. You know, get your high school degree. You know, you, you could you could do it online without ever having to leave the house. You know, so they they just they want to help her focus on her own goals so she can become the woman she was meant to be. And Leanne's like, all I care about is this family. And Dorothy's just she's kind of, she doesn't know what to say to that. She's kind of speechless. So downstairs, Toby and Sylvia are in, in the kitchen with Sean. So it just conveniently, you know, it works out where Sylvia, you know, gets this opportunity. Toby asks her, he's like, oh, you're going to take off your ring? And she's like, well, I'd need a jeweler to cut it off. And he's like, well, I thought you said you were a size six. She's like, yeah, I'm on my left hand. And he's like, well, why don't you put it on that hand? She's like, I need diamonds to put on this hand. So Toby got her this ring, but apparently it was too small. And it's so it's, she can't get it off now. So then um, Sean asks 
him to you know take a break and you know take some food out to the kids in the park because they're just kind of bickering whatever so then leanne flat out asks she she to sylvia she's like why are you so rude to toby and then she looks at it and she's like excuse me sean i don't know if he really catches that but he just kind of interrupts with something whatever and then he sees something that sylvia did he's like oh this is, this looks really good and he's like good job chef and then she smiles and she kind of gives leanne a look so it's like who is this sylvia lady it's like Ugh. so then later Sylvia's like, oh, have you ever thought about opening your own restaurant? And Sean's like, yeah, but you know, I don't think that's going to happen. And she's like, well, you know, I know some in- investors. Like, you're exactly the kind of chef that they're looking for, and everything. Like, so she's totally like, kissing up to him. And she's like, and if you know, you have opportunity ever comes, don't forget about me. And Toby returns. He's like, oh, I couldn't find the kids. He's like, maybe they moved on. And Sylvia's like, are you insane? She's like, you think homeless kids would walk away from food like this? So it's just like, ah, oh, man. And then the doorbell rings. And Sean's like, oh, that that's safety guy. He asks Leanne, so can you make sure you know he gets what he needs? So Leanne later you see, you know, the, the dude obviously want he wanted some water, so she gives him a glass of water. Then, you know, she's about to go back in the kitchen and he's like, Oh, can you stick around? He's like, It's a nice house. I wouldn't want to mess anything up. So then he's just kind of standing there. He's like, dude, you're supposed to be working. But he's like, How long have you been working here? And she's like, A few months. He's like, Oh, do they treat you right? You know, do you get time off at night or the weekends? He's like, There's a lot of great clubs downtown. And it's just now it's just like ill. It's like ill. And then and then he's he's he, so he's asked her, he's like, How old are you? And she's like, 18. And then he clearly is like looks her up and down, is like checking her out. Then he and then he's like, Do you work out? And he's like, you know, Zumba and stuff like that. He's like, I bet you're a great dancer, huh? Uh, then he then then he's like, come on, show me some moves. And he kind of and then she, he's like, oh, it's okay, you know, you don't you don't have to be afraid of me. And then you know, then he kind of like looks in the other room to see like make sure there's no one there, no one's like in earshot. He puts his arm on the doorway to to kind of block it so she can't go that way. He's like, you know, my buddy's got this place downtown. It's real upscale. You know, if I brought you, they wouldn't even check your ID. And then she just goes like the other way and she goes upstairs and then she's like talking to her, talking to Aunt Josephine. She's like, it's my fault, right? She's like, you think I'm dressed like a whore? She's like, and it's because she's wearing the yoga pants or whatever like that. So she's like, are you happy now? Are you happy? So it's like, calm down, Leanne. In the kitchen, Leanne tries, uh, you know, she just fed Jericho and she tries putting food in, in a drink and Sylvia's like, get the F out of my way. She, and she kind of says it under her breath. So like, you know, no, Sean, no one hears it. Then she starts reprimanding Toby. She's like, Toby, what are you doing? She's like, you're going to ruin it. And then Sean's like, Toby, take the trash out. So he must have heard Sylvia saying this. It's just like, whatever. So Leanne, she's just like about to lose it. So she like follows Toby out. She's like, how can you let her talk to you that way? And he's like, you know, that's just the way chefs talk. And she's like, I've heard Sean yell at you a hundred times. She's like, that's different. And then she's like, she tried to hurt you. And he's like, Sylvia's just a really insecure person. And sometimes insecure people, you know, and she's like, she doesn't even like you. And he keeps letting people do awful things to him and all this stuff like that. So then, then Sean tells her, he's like, oh, Dorothy's on the phone. And he comes out. So she's talking to Jericho. Yeah, yeah, he's eating sweet potatoes or like that. And then Dorothy must have told her to turn on the TV. So she goes out. She's interviewing some like street graffiti artist. So then she's so wait, so she's watching the, the 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 it's supposed to be live. So she's watching this, and then Jericho starts crying. I think this is happening at live because then Dorothy kind of blanks out during the interview, and the guy's like, "Are you okay?" And then she just kind of like, "Yeah." So she's like, "Something happened to, to Dorothy." In the kitchen, Sylvia 
says something nasty to her, whatever, you know, about, you know, them trying to get the works probably like, you know, cause Jericho's crying and whatever it's, it's heaven forbid a baby's crying in their workspace. Then some delivery guys show up early and then the safety guy needs them out of the kitchen so he can do that. Sean's like, he's like, I'll do it. He's like, I need, need to get this done. And then, then he's like, well, you need to sign this invoice. So he's like, Leanne, can you sign that? Then, you know, when he holds out, when Leanne goes to take it, he like pulls it away and then hands it to her. It's like, oh my gosh, dude. This some this like a uh, little like container of like some liquid stuff gets knocked over on the counter and spills on the floor. It's like, oh man, so who's gonna get yelled at for this? And then Leanne and Sylvia kind of bump into each other and she gets mad again. Then Sean goes after delivery guys because she's like, oh, you have to be careful with that. You know, you know what that is, whatever. And then Sylvia asks, she's like, where's where's the ceviche? And Toby's like, oh, sorry, I thought you were done with it. And then, oh my goodness. Sylvia, she's like majorly yelling him. She's she's going off. She's like, I've never met anyone so useless my entire life. She's like, I'm trying to prove myself to Sean. You've done nothing except getting my way all effing day. Do you have any idea how embarrassing I'm going to look? She's like, you effing moron. It's effing. And, you know, Leanne, she takes Jericho in the hallway. And, you know, she's just, Sylvia's just yelling. And she just kind of slides down on the floor. It's just like so much. And, you, you know, she's like, nobody should ever effing, effing hire you ever. And then... Oh my gosh. She slips on that stuff that was spilled. I'm like, oh, she's going to crack her head or something like that. But then her hand hits the, the candy making hook thing. And then her, you, you see her head hit the floor. Toby goes to check and he slips too. And then Sylvia sits up. It's like, okay, so she didn't hit her head too hard. She holds up her hand and then her finger got ripped off because of the tight ring. And she just stares at it and she screams and passes out. And her finger and the ring are still like on the counter, like next to the sink. Sean comes in and he's like, WTF had just happened. And he tells, you know, he's like, Toby, put some pressure on it. And Toby, like he goes to grab a, a rag off the counter and the finger gets knocked into the garbage disposal. Then Sean's like, where's a finger? He's like, find a finger. We have to get her to the hospital so you can reattach it. Toby's crawling on the floor. He's like, I can't find it. And he's like, Toby, Toby. And he's like, what? Toby, what? Toby. And then he's like over and over again. Toby goes to get up and then he hits the garbage disposal button, which is, it's like on the counter. It's not like on a wall because there is no wall. The counter's like in the middle of the kitchen. It's like on an island. And then, and blood like just splatters in his face from the finger and you just hear the grinding and then toby and sean just just stare at each other so you know he turns off the garbage obviously he reaches in and he pulls out the ring and then he just drops it and it's and he, he passes out julian comes over later he pops in the kitchen sean is like having a drink and he's like did you see dorothy on tv he's like no he's like we had a huge flipping accident so Leanne, she's just like cleaning her while holding Jericho. Then Sean goes into the other room with Julian. They watch the recording of the interview because Dorothy like records all her, her news footage or whatever. And um, then you see like she's just like zoning out again. And then she starts uh, lactating. And, and again, is it because for some reason Julian is crying across town or Jericho's crying across town? So she starts, you know, she's leaking. And then the, the guy like, answering questions he's he can't help but notice and he's then she's and she's kind of swaying a little bit and then she like looks down and she's like oh my god and she runs off camera and then it like cuts back to the station and the dude's just like sitting there julian's like she's never gonna live this down he's like she's done 
And then she comes home and Julian turns off the TV and she's just kind of sobbing. Leanne comes up to her with Jericho and gives her like this big hug and she like hugs back and you can see she's like in anguish, whatever. Leanne whispers, she's like, I didn't give him the bottle yet in case he wanted to feed him. So Dorothy just, you know, takes Jericho upstairs. So then we see later, Sean is sitting with Dorothy on the, on the floor in Jericho's room and, she, and she's like, when he was gone, you know, I, I prayed to God and you know, I said, you know, if I could have my baby back, I'd never ask for anything again. But, you know, just something's not right. It's like the universe is trying to hurt me. And, she, and she's, you know, because she wants her job. She wants to work. And she's like, you know, why can't this be enough? She's like, what's wrong with me? And Leanne's lying on the floor listening to music. And then she holds up Sylvia's ring and she puts it on the shelf. But then she takes it off and she stands in front of the mirror and she puts puts it on. And she like raises her hand and she's like looking at it. Then she starts moving in the mirror and it, it looks like she does know how to dance. You know, she's moving, you know, she's got some moves. And then like outside, she doesn't look outside, but outside there's there's like at least seven beggar kids out there in the park, maybe even more. And they're just like standing there. But it's like, where did they go? You know, they weren't there, but now they're back and then there's more. So uh, things are things are getting creepy. But <laughs> that when that finger came off, I was not expecting that. But man, that Sylvia, oh, she was something. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now it's time for Peacemaker, Season 1, Episode 8, Stop Dragging My Heart Around. Oh, wait, did I say Episode 8? No, Episode 7. This is Episode 7. There's one more after this. All right, so it starts off. Chris, we flashback. Chris and his brother listening to Home Sweet Home in the bedroom, and then, like, the older brother's teaching him how to, like, do devil hands or whatever, and he's like... Chris is like, is that is that white power? And he's like, no, it's like like F white power, whatever. And then outside, you know, people are betting. So the two go in this pit. They're going to fight for the people. Like, you know, the first are like, no punching, kicking. What? Then they're like, oh, what, whatever, no holds barred. So they're going to fight each other. Peacemaker sitting in his bathroom, uh, yeah, like in front of like the mirror, just like thinking back to this. So they're they're fighting, and then uh, you know, the swing miss whatever. Then Chris lands a punch and. Keith goes back and it starts convulsing and his dad goes to check and he's like, you know, he's foaming, spitting up. Then he's yelling at, at Peacemaker, at Chris. He's like, you dumb F, you killed your brother. You killed your brother, you piece of poop. You, and he's just like yelling at him. So then uh, in the present, Vigilante knocks on the door. He's like, hey, are you okay, whatever? And Peacemaker is like, we need to get out of here because, you know, Locke, is on the news during a press conference and he's he's like you know he's supposed to have our backs then peacemaker gets mad and he figures that you know leota must have planted a diary in in his trailer and he's like i knew i couldn't trust those people and then he, he sees judo masters free from the back room he's like well, okay whatever then he just grabs his bag full of helmets and then they leave so white dragon is with his men then he says that uh this one dude's like he says or whatever I think maybe Augie, uh, he said, White Dragon, he said that he has all the helmets programmed on a map. So they have like a tablet and uh, they can see that there's a bunch at the police station that must have been confiscated when they raided his trailer. But he's like, this bunch here, that must be where Christopher's at. So at the, the office place. Vigilante asks uh, <laughs> Peacemaker, he's like, is the diary a fake? And he's like, of course it's fake. He's like, if I was going to write a diary, it'd be a flipping journal. And Vigilante's like, well, I'd read anything you, you wrote. He's like, I bet you could write some pretty bomb poetry. Then Economos comes in. He's like, hey, I thought you didn't write a diary. And, and Peacemaker's like, did you see that thing? It looks like it fell out of my vagina. He's like, do I look like the type of guy to stay up all night collaging Jupiters and aliens and poop on the front of a flipping diary? And he, 
he kind of was like, well, I don't know. I didn't think maybe not at first, but now I, anyways, economist, he's like, where are you going? And then he, he's peacemaker says that he and vigilante might as well get this flipping done. You know, they're going to go kill the flipping cow. And then he asked the economist, are you coming? He's like, no. And then eagerly, he's just like slowly walks out the door and he kind of like, Ugh! he just like curses and he goes after them. Leota's watching the news. The Harcourt pounds on the door, like barges in. She's like, you did this, didn't you? And she's like, Waller sent you here to for this express purpose. And Leota's like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, did what? Leota's finally like, it's like, yes. She's like, that's why Peacemaker was chosen in the first place. And she's like, you're going to lone, lone shooter to the jerk? And Leota's like, he has a history of instability and conspiratorial beliefs along with violent outbursts. Hardcore's like, he was your flipping friend. And Leota's like, well, maybe, you know, you should back off. And she's like, oh, yeah. So then there's more arguing. Then Leota says that, you know, Hardcore was willing to kill an innocent man who was begging for his life. And she says that, you know, Peacemaker was a foul soldier. And Leota's like, so the only lives that matter are the ones fighting besides you? And Hardcore's like, yes. And Leota's like, that may work for you, that, you know, shut off the rest of the world's problem, but that doesn't work for me. She's like, I wasn't made for this poop. That, you know, her voice like cracks. Like, you know, she's like, I don't want to be here no more. So she's, she's like, that's why I'm leaving. And Hardcore's like, then WTF, did you even come? And Leo's like, because I lost my job and my mother offered me this one. Then she's like, your mother? And Hardcore's, then she realizes, she's like, Wall, Amanda Wall is your mother? And then Mern walks in and, you know, he's like, we need to get out of here. And Hardcore tells him, he's like, she's you know amanda waller's daughter he's like yeah i know you think i wouldn't do a background check on anyone come to work with us now hardcore she's like well, i don't know how your weird butterfly brain works and she starts to say she's like well she also planted a diary but Mern said he already figured that out so he says that the man on tv is their man on the inside so he's been turned and his weird butterfly brain will know where where they are so he he tells them to get whatever you know differences they're having you know get over it pack up what they need and meet him outside and Harcourt, she's going out. She's like, I flip and trusted you. And she, she walks out. Then we see outside an easy peasy market, mart, whatever. A couple guys got out of their car. And one guy kind of gets freaked out because Judah Masters is like sitting around a corner, like behind these, the cage of propane tanks. And, you know, he's eating his Cheetos. And the second guy laughs. He's like, oh, he's a flipping, I'm a little leprechaun. And he like does this little dance or whatever. And, and you know, Judah Masters sits there, eats his, his Cheetos. Harcourt calls uh, Peacemaker leaves a message. She's like, Chris, I just want to make sure you're okay. You know, let's try to figure this out. Peacemaker Vigilante are rocking out in the van as Economos drives. He's like, you know, it's, there's never, the, it's never, there's never the wrong time to rock out or something like that. Then he's like, he kind of was like, you're, aren't you being a little nonchalant about this? And then the van full of good old boys pulls up behind them since they can track them. They start more, start to converge on them, you know, the radio and they're like, yeah, I see them or whatever. And White Dragon is flying. So his suit, his armor, it, it's like it can fly. <laughs> so he sees them. He slams into the van and like knocks it over. And they're like, what? You know, it's whatever. And then he like rips open the, the side of the van. And Peacemaker's like, Dad, what are you doing? And he charges up his wrist blasters. What I should have done long ago. <laughs> Shoots at him. Peacemaker's on, on the ground. And a white dragon moves to, to blast him again. Then he starts getting shot at by vigilante. And, you know, he keeps shooting at him from outside. Then he, he throws a grenade at his feet. And it's like, Poosh! but it's almost like, a, did he get caught in a blast too? 
So Peacemaker wants to go check on, on Vigilante, but Econo's like, we have to go. So Augie groans, you know, he's he's his suit's a little little charred up, but you know, he's he's fine. You know, it's like scratch or whatever. And then they're they're still tracking Peacemaker. So Vigilante is on the other side of the woods and he's battered, but he's he's feeling it too. Cause you know, he didn't have his mask on and you know, he's scratch up. He caught the explosion as well. Econo was he's like, How did they find him? And then Peacemaker's thinking, then he figures it out. He takes off his helmet. Vigilante gets in one of the, the good old boys' cars because and the guy's like, You left your keys in there? And he's like, Well, I didn't think it'd be a big deal. And then Augie's like, just ignore him. He's like, we need to go after them. So at the easy peasy mart, the two dudes come out, and then Judo Master massively kicks their butt. And then he does a little leprechaun thing back at him. He takes their car. Mern sees police arrive outside the hotel where they're at. Hardcore is, is walking and then like ducks around the corner as they, they start pounding on, on someone's door. White Hoods are chasing Peacemaker. Uh, it turns out he tied his helmet to a raccoon's tail. So we see Economos and, and Peacemaker, they duck behind a tree. And Peacemaker's face is all scratched up. He's like, man, raccoons are flipping hardcore. Because he just he just found a wild raccoon and just grabbed it. Thought he could just tie his helmet to it, but it like fought back. Vigilante, he's driving a car in pain, and then he like passes out, and a car just slowly veers off the side of the road. He doesn't smash into anything. It just just slowly goes off and then off to the side of the road. Police are knocking on Mern's door. He radios a hardcore in Leodo. He's like, you know, just leave and finish the job. He's like, go kill the cow. The cops bust in. He shoots a few, but the song butterfly is like, how do you know about the cow? Because she heard him. And then he, he says, you know, nothing they can do will get me to talk. And then she just shoots him a few times in the chest. Harcourt and Leota, they were ducked around a corner, so, and they, like, gasp. The, his radio is still on so they can hear, and you're like, now we really need to hurry and get the teleportation equipment to the ranch because, you know, Song's still talking. Mern's butterfly then crawls out and tries flying to the door. It's like, dude, you should have waited. Song grabs it, and it's like, ick, none, luck. It's like, you could have joined us, and she squeezes, she like, just crushes him and tosses him to the floor. Fitzgibbon butterfly is like, you murdered him, and she's like, and the alternative was what? It's like he was a warrior. Without him, his out, you know, his outfit has no chance of stopping us. You know, two clowns in costumes and a couple of rejects. So it's like, are they not including or not counting Economos? Just like Peacemaker wasn't. They leave, and in Hardcore and Leo, they, they they go back inside. So Hardcore hears the Mern butterfly on a, on a floor. It's like weak. Uh, she puts her, you know, she picks him up and, you know, it like slowly raises his hand to her finger and then just falls back and dies. Hardcore is like, how the heck are we going to do this without him? Then Judah Master somehow comes, I don't know how the heck he found him. He's at the door. He's like, ding dong, bitches. <laughs> and then like flying kick, knocks them both down. I don't know. Leota looks like she's knocked out. Hardcore is like, that's the last sucker punch. She's, they start fighting. She's got some moves. You know, she's doing pretty good, but. Uh, he eventually gets the upper hand, you know, they at one point she like flips him and he like, smashes the toilet, whatever. But then they, he flips hers like that. Then he gets on top. He like starts punching her in the face and then she starts laughing. And Leota comes at him from behind with a taser, zaps him and like zaps him again. So the, the hoods, the white hoods are, are tracking the raccoon and then they're like, he stopped. He's, you know, he's over there in those bushes. So they surround him and then they just see the raccoon screeching. And then uh, this skinhead girl, according to the thing, finds something else on a tablet. So Peacemaker, Economos, and Eagly, they find Vigilante in the car. He's passed out. So they get in. It's kind of stuck, but, you know, Peacemaker is able to, you know, get it out of there. And Vigilante asks, he's like, how'd you, you find me? Or how'd they, they find us? Whatever. And Economos like, 
he's like, they put a tracking GPS in the helmet. And then he makes like a whoops face and Peacemaker's like, what? And then he slams on the brakes. The rest of the helmets are in a trunk. So they get out, you know, he's, he's going to, he takes a bag. Vigilante, she's like, I got to pee. And Peacemaker, you know, Eagly gets out. So Peacemaker tells the economist, he's like, get Eagly in the car. He's like, he won't listen. He's like, oh, just, you know, crinkle a bag of chips and he'll go in there. So Peacemaker goes, you know, off the road to the woods to throw the bag of helmets. But then a bunch of the white hoods come running out. So he's running. They're like going after him. They they get to the, by the car. They gather around him. They're like overpowering, like punching him and kicking him and hitting him with bats or whatever. He kind of was like crawls through the car and out the other side. He's like crawling out to the woods on the other side. He comes up to Vigilante, who's still peeing in the woods. And he's then he's like, why are your pants all the way down? He's like, I can't pee when clothes are touching my butt. It's just like little kids that you see that once in a while. Uh, and you're, like, you're in a public bathroom and it's like, oh, dude, come on. Eagly, he's up, he attacks a couple of hoods. He's, he, and again, he's, he's hardcore. He's fierce. Another's like trying to shoot him as he's flying overhead. Eagly flies at Augie and he like smashes him down. And Peacemaker yells and he throws the guys off and runs. He knocks over a couple of other guys. He's like, I'll kill you. And his dad's like, you think so? His suit powers up. And he just like power punches Peacemaker. And he goes flying back. He's like, 40 years ago, God challenged me as he did Abraham. He was like, I was too weak to listen, but not no more. <laughs> not no more. I was like, okay. <laughs> he stomps down on, on Peacemaker's chest, and and, uh, and then the, the closed caption is first to one guy is racist thug, who's like, kill that piece of poop, dragon. And, and Augie continues, he's like, I knew you were unclean when you were born, and even more when you killed your brother. And Peacemaker grunts, she's like, that was you. And then he's like, I knew when you listened to that devil music. I knew when you shaved your body like a woman. I knew when you slept with the whores of polluted blood and men. Did he sleep with men? Whatever. And even more, when you conspired with the forces of Baphomet against the United States of America. And he powers up both fists. And he's like, and now, boy, I give your life to God. And then Vigilante comes jumping out, lands on him, stabs him in the neck. He's like, there's gaps in the armors, man. It's just like what he said to the peacemaker when he first saw it. There's like some sparks, electrical sparks, stuff like that. And he, he, he tears something off too. Augie like flings him off and he, he lands by the racist hoods. They all raise their guns to shoot him. Then Economos comes out screaming with a machine gun, shoots all the thugs, all the racist thugs. Augie just ignores all his, he doesn't care, powers up his fists again, and then the suit powers down. Peacemaker gets up and like slams into him. He lands back on a car. His helmet, he, or he flings a... Or, a What's his name? White Dragon, Augie. His helmet comes off. He's punching him over and over in the face. He's like, you kill my brother, punch. You kill Keith, punch. And he's like, you're only right about one thing. He's like, I am a piece of poop. I'm a piece of poop for listening to you for all these years, punch. I'm a piece of poop for not killing you in your sleep. And Augie's just like laughing, even though you know he's a little hit. He's like, you hit like a girl. And Peacemaker lets him go and picks up the gun. And Augie's just standing there. He's like, well, go ahead and do it, you flipping pussycat. And Peacemaker just pauses. He's like, I knew you couldn't do it. You and he says the F word. He's like, "Cause I control you." The other F word. He's like, "Whether or not I kill you, you'll never be able to get the F away from." <laughs> Single gunshot wound to the forehead, and um, he he like Augie has like a surprised look on his face, and he just falls back. Peacemaker's just standing there, so he just he just killed his dad, who was a, a piece of poop. He deserved it, and you know he, a tear is like down his face, and he's like kind of crying he gets on his knees and vigilante he's like dude this is a really weird time to do your face exercise and it kind of was like he's crying a-hole and he's like oh and then he like reaches over kind of pats him on the shoulder a little bit and he kind of was like dude that's that's creepy 
Leota talks to Kia on the phone, says that you know she just has some forms and stuff to fill out before she leaves. Hardcore cleans out you know the blood on the face, and you know Leota comes and like helps her or whatever. And then Hardcore asks, she's like, "What was your job before this?" And Leota's like, "I ran a dog shelter." He's like, "We lost funding." I, th- I think my mother saw an opportunity in my moment of weakness. You know, she always wanted me to do this stuff. And, you know, so she asked me again and she said she needed someone on the inside with a group of people she doesn't trust. And hardcore's like, she doesn't trust anyone. And Lena was like, yeah, I know. And she's like, did you know, she, did you tell her about Mern? And Lena was like, I couldn't decide if I wanted to do it. It's like, it doesn't matter now. Cause you know, he's dead. Hardcore says that, you know, she could tell she was hiding something. And Leota's like, she's like, I could tell that you could tell. And you know, it got me all agitated. You know, that's why I was packing to leave. And Hardcore's like, it's a shame. Whatever. You know, she's like, you know, you're good at the job, and you know, and also because you know, we're gonna need every hand on deck to try to kill that cow. And Economos calls her. So they they go to this vet. Um, the doc patched up eagerly, but Vigilante's being a total freak. He's holding a, a gun to the doc and the nurses because they saw them. He's like, what other choice do we have than to kill this doctor and nurse and male nurse? And Hardcore's like. You can just say two nurses, man. Or he, he, I think he kind of said that or whatever. And then he, he kind of was like, do you really need to kill them? And Hardcourt finds like, no. He's like, we'll just tie them up. And he's, by the time the morning staff comes, we'll be long gone. And if we don't stop the butterfly, it doesn't matter. Vigilante's like, okay, but we can't use duct tape because that'll hurt their skin when, when they take it off. And so it's like he wanted to kill them, but he doesn't want to use duct tape on them because that'll hurt. Kia calls Leot again. So she goes out, you know, she's going to call her back, whatever. And she hears Peacemaker sniffing, like, like crying. And he's, you know, with Eagly. He's praying to God. He's like, you know, bring back Eagly. He's like, you know, I shouldn't have left him in my dad's garage for four years when I was in prison. He's like, I should have left him with an ugly girl who wanted love and stuff. And, you know, said that she'll do anything he wants. And then, you know, she's saying all this stuff. Then Eagly's like slowly gets up, like gets up, stands up, hugs him again. And Leota sees this, you know, she's out in the hall, she's looking through the window, and she thinks back to when he told her that before and she called BS on him. And then, then she keep, you know, keeps going to you know, give them her time and to make her phone call. And Peacemaker, you know, he slowly reaches out a phone to you know, take a selfie. <laughs> Kia asks Leota, she's like, where are you? You know, you said you'd be here two hours ago. And Leota's like, I just saw an eagle hug a human. And she's like, maybe it's a sign. And she's like, she goes to the others and says that they should get a move on killing the cow. Her wife is upset, but she gets it, sort of. Econo is like, well, how are we going to do this without Mern? And Leota's like, we have someone else to lead them. And Econo's was like, me? And she's like, no. She's like, F no. And she looks at Harcourt. Peacemaker nods in agreement. So Harcourt says that, you know, the butterflies breathe their air and, you know, drink their water but our food source doesn't keep them alive. So they have to transport, they had to transport a creature from their planet across the galaxy. Now they know where they're keeping it. Song and the others are driving to the ranch. You know, hardcore continues like whatever they're debriefing or, or, you know, she says that they milked the creature. So to stop the butterflies, I'll have to, all I have to do is kill the cows. And they probably know that they're on their way. So they're going to be, they're going to try to move the cow before they get there. Based on what they heard, they'll use teleportation. They'll probably move it to another place across the country, which means that all their work there was for nothing. So they just have to get there before they can move it. Vigilante's like, he's like, yeah, we can go in and kick butt like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. And he kind of was like, they got slaughtered in that film. He's like, no, I don't think so. He's like, you hear bullets, but he's like, I think they just jump over him after that freeze frame. So they bicker a little bit about this. 
then Vigilante's like, man, it's like, I love this back and forth we have. It's not the same as what me and Peacemaker have, but it's flipping cool. And Peacemaker's like, he's like, whatever. He's like, he's like, I'm in. And Vigilante's like, hashtag me too. <laughs> Economos reluctantly says, yeah, I guess. And Leo's like, yeah. So then the nurses and doctor, they're like, yeah, we're in too. Like one even has like shotgun and they're like, you can't go. It's like, you'll just die. And they're like, but we do need to commandeer your vehicle. So they, they tie them up or whatever. So then, you know, there's like a slow motion shot of them walking outside to, to get an RV. Uh, we see vigilantes like feeding eagerly, like chips or something like that. Leota tries apologizing to Peacemaker. He's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, I don't give a flip. He's like, you said we were a team, but obviously we're not. He's like, I can't wait till it's over so I don't have to see your stupid, dumb face ever again. Hardcore's struggling with the music. You know, Conimus is, dra- is blasting it, what he's driving. He's like, there's no wrong time to rock, because that's what, you know, Vigilante and Peacemaker said before. She's just like, kind of looks off to the side, but she kind of smiles a little bit. So, she, you know, she's, she's digging it. Then over at, at the, the ranch, you see the cavern. We see this giant cow, this big, huge creature. It's like groaning and whatever. There's like huge machines and hoses hooked up to it and everything like that. So they're getting ready to move it. That's where it ends. And then the end credit scene it again doesn't really add anything it's it's more lock and i don't know if this is like ad lib stuff but it's a press conference and he's like cleanliness is next to godliness and god knows i'm close to him and then he's like blood that's what you want to see if you're not seeing any blood you're not scrubbing hard enough and then he's like clean your toes start at the bottom work your way up linger in the middle keep going a little higher and he starts moving kind of side to side he's like swing the hips and he's like moving like that. He's like, and when you're drying, especially, it's important to swing the hips. And his song is like, okay, we're finished now. Thank you for attending. And that's where it ends. So not as funny as past ones, but it was it was still still good. So uh yeah, one more episode and uh it it just it ke- keeps getting better and better. I mean it's it's uh it's crazy. I just didn't think I was gonna care this much about Peacemaker. There you go. Okay, uh, now I want to talk about a movie called Kimmy. So Kimmy is an HBO Max movie. So it stars Zoe Kravitz. It uh, also has Rita Wilson in it. And it's directed by Steven Soderbergh. And um, I have to say, man, I, you know, I, was, I was interested in this when I, when I saw the commercial. Because I, I like Zoe Kravitz. I think she's cool. And the, the premise... It sounds sounded kind of it could be interesting. So Kimmy is basically like an Alexa Siri device, uh, and you know we we see it at the at the beginning. You know there's this dude doing this like Zoom interview, and uh, you know because they wanted the first thing they're like like what's the difference between you know whatever between Siri and Alexa. So he's like it's people. He's like people an- an- analyze Kimmy's request to see what people want. He's like it's not a program or an algorithm. The interviewer is like so does that mean you're listening to everything? He's like no. They're flagging miscommunication so Kimmy can better understand you. So we do it every day so Kimmy understands you better today than it did yesterday. And so the company is about to go public and, you know, so IPO stocks and all that stuff like that. So basically the way it works is like if you ask Kimmy to do something and it misunderstands what you're saying and then you have to say it again. And then it, so this is flagged. And then there are people who they, they get these little flagged bits and then they they correct what it is. Like at one point, someone's like, "Play me by Taylor Swift," and then Kimmy's like, "Not making a, a Taylor Swift uh, playlist." And they're, and their person's like, "No, play the song me." So then you know, uh, Angela Zoe Kravitz's character, you know, she has to type in like what 
it meant by that word phrase or something like that. So that's that's how they do this. Um, so the, the interviewer, anyway, so he was like doing an interview in his garage. You know, there was like a bookshelf behind him. He's like wearing like pajama pants or whatever. His wife's in the kitchen, and then he's like going to go check on the kid or whatever. He gets this call from R, and the voice is like, "You can transfer to second payment now." And he's like, "No chance of discovery." And there's like of her, and he's like, "They're like no." And then he's like, okay, you'll have it within the hour. So it's like, what was all that about? And it's not really clear. And then later you're like, ah. So then we see Angela Zoe Kravitz's when we first see her. She's having coffee in her in her loft. She has a Kimmy device and everything like that. She works out on a bike. She texts this guy across the way about meeting for an egg thing at the there's like a food truck down there. And she's like, Okay, I'll see you in twelve. So then she like has she like takes a shower, she brushes her teeth, she takes some pills, she puts on her it's like this has got to take more than twelve minutes. Um, she takes like several hand wipes and then like three things of pills and she puts on a face mask, starts unlocking the door. There's like a deadbolt key. You know, she puts a key in and she stops. She's starting to panic and she kind of like squats down and she gets on the floor and you see the dude, um, tries texting her from outside. And you also, what's interesting is you see a lot of people wearing masks. So COVID actually takes, takes part of the story. And I, I think that that's, I kind of like that because oh, we don't really see that. So a lot of times when you watch these movies, it's like, is this like after COVID, pre-COVID, like what's going on? So, you know, she put on her mask, but she's agoraphobic is what we find out. So it's like, maybe that's just part of it. But no, COVID had something to do with it as well or, you know, made things worse. So then, then um, you know, she's on the floor. She gets up, she takes off her jacket. She looks out the window and the guy's not there. So then she's sitting in front of her computer. She asks Kimmy to open yesterday's stream on her desktop. She listens to a bunch of problems and fixes them. You know, she has, she, so she types the codes for new words. And we see she has like 626 unresolved incidents. She tries calling her mom and things are a little tenser or whatever. And, you know, she tries telling him that she tried going out to breakfast, whatever. That night, um, she sees a guy. Anyway, all this stuff is not important. So later, she, she's, you know, she didn't finish her, her stream things. So she's listening and there's like this loud music playing, like techno, you know, rage music. And you hear like, stop it. And she like listens again. And she listens a third time without, you know, headphones, turns on. She drags away file to her desktop. She opens this other program. She tries filtering the music out, doing all this stuff like that. She goes in the closet, pick, pulls out all this other equipment, whatever, changing the level and stuff like that. And then at one point she hears a dude's voice like, shut your mouth, bitch. And, and then so she sends an email about the audio. She's like, I think I heard a crime or something like that. So there's like all this stuff going on. But the other thing that's interesting is like, you know, at one point, and it's not really important to it, but like she has a, a, a pain in her tooth and she like zooms her, her dentist because, you know, she doesn't want to go in there. She's trying to, you know, he's like, you got to come in. It could be root canal. And, you know, but she's just, she doesn't want to go out. When she's talks to like her boss about you know she emailed him to file and he's like why did you email me i said you know don't email me stuff like this i don't want to know about this like we're about to go public and and he's talking about like a lawsuit that like uh, i guess uh, amazon had or whatever and you know he's like we we don't listen we don't know anything and so she she works she she ends up contacting like a, a tech guy like in another country and whose hacks gets her some you know the the data full downloads or whatever and she's able to hear the, like the whole thing and all this other stuff. And, and then things just kind of escalate. So once it kind of comes out that she has these files, then they start coming after her. 
because you know she she has to go to the office to listen. You know they're like, oh, we'll we'll call the feds and you know we'll listen to this together. And then it it just boom, it just escalates. So the problem with the movie. So while that premise is like, okay, yeah, it's 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 you know it's kind of interesting. I think you know is it totally? Weird? I don't know, but the movie is only like ninety minutes, or maybe it's like eighty nine minutes. But things just kind of just happen way too fast. And so basically, you know, the guys are coming after her. She's going to try to fight for her survival if she can. And other people are going to get injured and this and that and all that. It's just it, it just feels like they were making this movie. And then it's like, hey, we, we, we need to finish this. You know, we, we can't flesh this out so much. So let's just boom, 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 boom. OK, we're done. So that that's that was my main problem with the movie is you know I I don't mind a ninety minute movie but I I like a two hour two and a half hour you know if if it's if there's a story to tell and you know I don't, I don't want it to end right away you know I want to enjoy it I want to get into it but this just it just happened so fast and it's just oh, some things are almost like too convenient whatever I I do have to say that Zoe Kravitz is like when she does go outside finally you know and she's always using hand sanitizer and she like rubs her hands and she does this thing where she just kind of like you can't see what I'm doing, but she's, you know, try to the dry him. So just like kind of almost like she's like clapping, but not hitting her hands. And when she does go outside, you know, she's, she hugs the walls as she's walking to kind of like stay away from people. And, you know, and she just like walks kind of like awkwardly and with her head down and, you know, she's, then she puts her hood up. And so I, she does a really good job. And so what had happened is, you know, she, something had happened to her before, which I won't go into, but then everything with COVID just kind of made it worse. And, you know, being shut in, you know, lockdown. And so it just exasperated everything, whatever, exasperated, exact, whatever you get what I'm saying. So it was an okay movie. Uh, some of the other acting was, you know, the other people involved and like some of the thugs and this and that. And it's just, and again, some things were just, just too easy. And uh, I do like, there was a part where they, like a band tries abducting her and there's like all these people and they're like trying to fight back. Like, so that, that was cool. But yeah, so it's just, it's just, it's too bad. Uh, it could have, it could have been a lot better. Uh, you know, it wasn't horrible. You know, I was I was fine watching it, and maybe because it's so fast, it's it's like okay, that's fine. It, you know, it's, it's quick, but but yeah, there's that. So <laughs> that was Kimmy. All right, then the movie feature is Death on the Nile. So we have the the next uh, movie with Her Hercule. I don't even know how you say his name. Perio, Perio. Even though I I I literally just watched. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express, you know, a couple of days before watching this, just to remind myself. And and you know, watching that again, I don't, you know, it's not like my favorite movie or anything like that, Orient Express, but it's a good movie, I think, for the most part. You know, there's a good mystery. I actually forgot like who the killer was and like what the deal was. So, and as I watched it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember how you know the revelation comes out and stuff like that. So it's it's a good you know Agatha Christie, good murder mystery and stuff like that, and. The weird thing is, though, as I'm watching this, at, at the beginning, you know, I wasn't totally loving Death on the Nile at the beginning. I'm like, this feels like there's like this disconnect. Because the way Murder on the Orient Express, you know, it's like, oh, you need to go to, you know, Egypt. You, there's a Death on the Nile, whatever. So, but then this movie, it actually starts back to World War One, And we see young Hercule, whatever, Kenneth Branagh. And we see him like, how he's a brilliant guy, but then we find out why he has his mustache. Let's just say that. And I, I didn't even think about that. And I was always curious, like, why does he have this big, crazy mustache? But there, there is a reason for that. And we kind of hear like the hardship, like you know, stuff that he went through and, and like that. 
And then um, in the present, he he goes in his club. There's a singer there, and he sees uh, this lady, Jackie. She introduces her fiancé to her friend, um, to Gal Gadot. And because um, you, you know, first Jackie and, and her fiance, they're like dancing. They're you know, it's a there's like really kind of like bluesy music and everything like that. And, and you know, she's getting in it. Latitia Wright is like uh, the the singer's manager. And uh, so Jackie and her fiance, I think his name is Simon. Um, he they're dancing and stuff like that. So then when Gal Gadot comes, so Gal Gadot and Jackie, they you know, they're friends or anything like that. Then she's. Basically, Jackie was hoping that Gal Gadot's like super rich and owns something, you know, there's like something she's hoping that she could get Simon to run this. I don't know if it was a newspaper or some, whatever it was. But then they're like, oh, you two should dance, just like that. And then when the two dance, it's it's almost like the way they're looking at each other. It's just like, and, you know, Jackie's just kind of clapping, whatever. And what ends up happening is Gal Gadot and Simon, I'm giving way too much, not really, but they end up, uh, falling for each other so then six weeks later they're they're getting i think they got married or yeah i think they just got married so they ended up falling for each other even though he was engaged to jackie and jackie won't let this go so her hercule Pero, whatever he's vacationing in egypt he runs into his friend his friend and his mother they're like hooked up to this like wedding party trip thing you know they're doing all this stuff and they're going to go down to Nile. And uh, it's like weird. They're on their honeymoon, but they have all these guests and everything. And they even brought like the singer from when they, they, the, the night they first met and all this stuff. So they're all, you got all these people gathered together, which is how the, the movie gets set up. As you can imagine, there's a murder. And I'm, I don't want to I, – I implore you, if you're going to watch this movie, do not look up any any spoilers. I don't know if I, – I, I don't remember if they show it in a trailer or anything. So I don't know if you know who was murdered, you know, who, whose death is on the Nile. But it's – there's I really feel that there's something to enjoy in these movies if you don't know what's happening, especially if it's a murder mystery. If you're going to move a murder mystery movie and you know what's going to happen, and I get some people like the comfort, you know, they get antsy or they get too whatever if they don't know what's going to happen. But man, <laughs> you shouldn't you sh- you shouldn't you don't shouldn't spoil any things. I will say there is more than one murder. Is there more than two? Is there more than three? I'm not going to say that. But as, as you're looking at this, and because part of it is like, okay, who is the murderer? It must be one of the, these main people. You know, there's a couple other people on the ship, you know, workers or whatever, servers and stuff like that. But it's probably not going to be one of them unless it's someone higher. But that that would not be interesting. That wouldn't be interesting. So you're you know trying to figure out who who would want to kill you know the whatever random people, and and that's where the movie kind of plays out. And I, so I feel like they they do a good job. With with just putting it all together, and um, you know, we we have a, a good cast, and uh, but with with all the murders happening, and everything, I do have to say, you know, when, once the story starts kicking in and everything, and and you're trying to figure out like, hey, what's going on? I did start like getting into the movie more. You know, at the beginning, it was cool to see the flashback, the World War One stuff, but then as it started off, I'm just like, okay, where is this kind of going? You know, what's going to happen? But then. It, once it's the story starts kicking in and the, the mysteries really start building, mysteries on mysteries on mysteries, I, I was really getting into it. But it, it's a little dreary in a way, you know, just the fact that people are getting murdered. And it's just like, oh, man. And 
so yeah, obviously, spoiler: the murder does get solved, you know, at, at some point. But it's uh, it, it's not quite what you think because you know it, it's, it's like well, it can't be this person, it can't be this person because of this. You so I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I I feel like I can't really talk any more about it because I I just don't want to spoil anything more. So. They do a good job. Um, I think right now it's at a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't super great. I, you know, I think that the main thing is that the cast is, is you know, you're going to see it for the cast. Is the murder, is a mystery super unique or, and I don't even know how it compares to like the original because I've never read the book or seen the, the other movie, but I, I I do like how this is and, and I you know I like the character and you know you, you feel for the others or whatever you feel for him and um, there's maybe the possibility of more I I would would like this to see more um, say I'm trying to think here's a quote I think there are possibilities aren't there with 66 books and short stories and plays she often brings people together and so yeah there, there could be more but who knows how many we'll, we'll have it has a 90 million dollar budget. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen any uh, box office predictions. Um, let's see. Oh, it's projected to. So here's problem. It's projected to gross eleven to seventeen million in the opening weekend. It earned one point one million from Wednesday and Thursday night previews. So seventeen million out of ninety million dollar budget. Uh, I don't know. Things are just so weird. I mean, it's just so unpredictable, and and I, I don't know. But I will say, you know, I enjoyed the movie. Um, there's there's not much else for me to say. You know, it, it has a charming cast, and I, I I always marvel or admire when when they gather all these different actors together. And you know, I always wonder, it's like, how much are they paying them, or is it just you know they're paying getting paid low less because it's a smaller role or this or that or whatever? But it's 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 a good movie. So I, I enjoyed it. it. It was fun. And um, yeah, so that's Death on the Nile. And, and uh, I didn't, I, I didn't guess. To, I mean, some people might say like, oh, I knew who the killer was or whatever. I figured it out. And awesome. You know, you could be a detective too. So maybe I can't, I didn't figure it out. And I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't because it's it's cool to see how all the pieces fell together and how this works. And so I, I like that. So I enjoyed it. You should see it. Should you see it on big screen? It's it's cool to see. You know, there's there's some good visuals and that. It's may not be crucial, but I, as I always say, if you feel safe, if you have the opportunity, you should see it. I definitely think you should see it before it gets spoiled, because I, I I just think that's going to take that's that's the biggest fun of the movie, the, the the biggest fun, the most fun part, the best part, whatever. You get what I'm saying. So, and you know, Gal Gadot, I. I I think she was good in here, and Kenneth Branagh was good, and yeah, it was a good movie. You know, good good cast. So that is this week's movie feature, and I don't even know how long I talked about it, and probably not that long. But that's going to be it. That is going to be it for this week's podcast. <laughs> so you know, you did get two movie features. So big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to Patreon.com/slash Gman from Heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the Sacred Podcast from Heck, which is an additional thirty minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm um, talking about uh, live action Resident Evil movies. 
Um, I'm losing track of what I, I think. I think there's two more. I think there'd be one this week and probably one next week. And I think that's it. Maybe I can't, I don't even know anymore. And other times I talk about classic, cool comic books. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by buying me a virtual cup of coffee or two. Uh, and you can go to, I didn't say where, coffee.com slash heck, ko-fi.com slash heck. You get it. So that is, there's that. Uh, I, I, it, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to end this. What's going to happen next week? Movie feature is going to be Uncharted. Um, so I, I, don't, I haven't talked about Reacher. I haven't watched. I want to watch Reacher. And I'll be perfectly honest. The reason why I haven't covered Reacher is because I'm assuming Amazon dropped all episodes at once. I'm pretty sure they did. To me, that that's hard. Same thing with Disenchantment. I don't know if I'll get a chance to watch any and talk about that next week. I'd, I'd like to. I feel really bad because I talked about all the other episodes on, on the podcast. But it's just when everything drops, it's just it's too much for me. And I'm trying to cut back. Like, you know, I said I was going to talk about Suspicion, and I end up not doing that. I'm going to watch Suspicion and just enjoy it, just watch it for fun. I would love to talk about it, but I don't know if people really necessarily want to hear about it or need to hear about it. So I'm trying to keep the show flowing and concise and not, you know, weigh it down. Because you know, it doesn't have to be like 18 bajillion different shows. You know, I'm sure you just want to hear about the, the main things. So I don't know if, if I'll ever pick up any of those other things. Uh, and then also Texas Chainsaw Massacre is out on the 18th. You know, that's a Friday. I That might get bumped to the next week. I, I don't know. And then there's also uh, Catwoman Hunted which I should have talked about this week, but I didn't get a chance to watch it in time. to, re- So that will maybe probably, hopefully, be next week as well. So thank you for listening. I hope you are doing well. Um, I hope you have a great Valentine's Day, if you care about that at all. And I hope you remember to be good to each other. 